Hello, my fellow Westorians. We are back for another Monday spoiler-free review, this time for episode 8, Lord of the Tides. As usual, I remind you all that I that we do our spoiler episodes on Saturday with guests at 3 Eastern. That's where we review things that we may have missed on this Monday stream, as well as talking about stuff that's to yet to come, things we know from trailers or from Fire and Blood. Sean is unsullied on Fire and Blood, so we avoid that here. And for the rest of you all as well, we do that so that you can remain unspoiled. Last week on our Saturday stream, we had Joanna Robinson. This week, we're going to have the ladies from Girls Gone Canon. And how cool is that? I want to say, do keep in mind that I am unsullied. So if I say something that seems naive or ignorant or evil, that's evil, why. Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> totally, totally. That, that can occasionally happen. <laughs> so yeah, watch our synopsis videos before each live stream, or at least the audio version helps prime you for the discussion. We are trying to get those out as early as possible after the episode and to give you maximum time to prepare. Also, shout out to some of our lovely patrons who keep the lights on, keep us doing this, keep us well supported and feeling loved, such as Jeff Nelly, the Long Snapper, History of Westeros's First Sword, and Dragon Lord Eric, the Evening Shade, Lord of the Groves and Defender of Stigai, Rider of Ixodes Scapularis, the Bloodthirsty, a dragon with purple scales and wings with the red underside, black horns and green eyes, art by Ed Shear, a.k.a. Cheese and Pencils. I was telling Shea and Sean here, referring to the behind-the-scenes stuff, which is always worth watching, the behind-the-scenes stuff, but this time it's even better than usual, which is saying something, I guess. I'm going to say that a lot today, I think, which is saying something, I mean. <laughs> uh, there were th They showed like the little close-up of the clutch of dragon eggs that Damon was harvesting for lack of a better word and one of them was purple you can't you couldn't see it on the episode but you could see behind the scenes the colors were a lot more clear and it was a very purple dragon and it looked really nice Sean your drink I believe is a bit purplish as well today isn't it reddish purple that's, yeah, that's it's purplish. A, maybe a tint of purple I yeah. think this is c closer to red uh, definitely closer to red than green this yeah. week. <laughs> yeah that's for sure <laughs> that is for sure well, this episode, of course, I'm going to quote, uh, loosely quote, Winter is Coming on this one, uh, the fan site that covers not just Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, but other things, other fantasy shows. They said something along the lines of, House of the Dragon and Rings of Power spend millions of dollars per episode, yet no dragon nor Balrog could compete with an old man trying to sit in a chair. And they're totally right. Like, they're sort of poking fun, but it's totally true. Like, this episode was unbelievable, the acting. It just goes to show that there is no substitute for fantastic acting and writing. No amount of action, no amount of awe can substitute for this. Like, for truly bringing out, like, the, the most of our, our deepest feelings, like our performance, our, our belief of the performance of this character. Yeah, just wow. We, we heard George R. R. Martin talk about how amazing Patty Considine was. And we saw it off and on, but I don't think we really saw it till this one. This is what he was talking about, y'all. When he was saying Patty Considine just rose above everything he wrote and just took and pre performed so well, this is what he was talking about. We didn't we didn't know <laughs> until now. Sean? I, I wanted to say I appreciate beyond the performance, you know, I want to give some credit to the I don't know, writing, editing, direction, or whatever, to take the time with that scene, to have him walk to the throne yeah you know what i mean they didn't, that's, that's they didn't skip it all like, yeah 
Yeah, yeah. And it, it reminded me a little, there's a David Lynch movie called The Straight Story that has a moment that reminded me a little bit of that. Uh, an, an elderly man with a cane and you kind of have to watch him painstakingly make his way around. It really adds some empathy to the character and some tension to the moment. And I don't want to go too much on a tangent, but yeah, I really loved it. In fact, I'm going to pick it for my moment. So yeah, yeah. I'm jumping ahead, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, same here. We may have a, a, a unified uh, pick this time as well. We'll see in a second. To honor King Viserys and Patty Considine, we are going to have a stream on Thursday to discuss his character, his whole arc and all that, including his past stuff that wasn't shown. So that should be fun. You'll, you'll see some of these from us off and on, especially when a character dies. We'll be able to kind of take their whole story and isolate it and go through it and which we've done with other characters in a song of ice and fire but it's going to be a little different this time because we also have the performance to talk about which we often don't have that to mix in with our analysis so that's going to be cool so join us there it'll be our usual time of six eastern or just catch the replay afterwards or the podcast version afterwards on wherever you catch podcasts so last week yeah let's do our three by three last week on facebook we did our poll Olivia Cook took it down with 28% of the vote, barely beating out her fake son, Leo Ashton, who was Amond, did a great job there, 27%. It, they were tied part of the week, so it was really close. But either way, this isn't really a competition. It was just to kind of highlight people who had great performances, and they both really did. Emma Darcy got in there at third place, still doing really well, of course, with her. Feel free to join our discussions offline or off podcast rather <laughs> off stream on facebook and discord those are the main two places that we have discussions going lots of good solid and unsolid discussions we have spoiler and spoiler free discussion threads and of course you can interact with us on twitter as well all of us uh, sean is at dancing sean and you can now follow us on tiktok yeah uh, she is at Miriam's not is that also our our uh, tiktok is at the history of west history of west and right we on. got shared we i shared a clip um from behind the scenes of patty um serving targaryen realness <laughs> a very funny behind the scenes clip and patty shared it on his instagram so that yeah. like with our little water anyways i was really happy about that so yeah. go follow us there too so he's a great dude yeah and i think that yeah so last week i said the writing may have been its best or the dialogue in particular maybe not just the writing but particularly the dialogue the spoken lines which is really saying something and this week maybe it's the acting which again is really saying something i told you i'd say it, that's really saying something a lot i've already said it like four times but again especially pat Considine. i think the music has an equal claim to maybe being the best it's been which again is really saying something music is always on point but it was particularly tear jerky this time a particularly emotional it fit the scene super well and the two in concert just, I mean, it's like a one-two punch to the to the tear ducts. <laughs> just knocking those tears in right concert. Out. I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if this episode broke any records for a number of tears shed by an audience. No way to track such a thing, but, you know, it, I would guess it's up there. That was a, a, a repeated sentiment on Twitter afterwards, the reactions were very uh, choke-uppable, well, right? <laughs> so this was the first week where we had our screener access, right? So we watched it, as we said on Saturday, right after our stream, we watched the episode. And I don't know if I want to watch the screeners for episode 9 and 10 now because it was really <laughs> weird to watch, like, a really sad episode. And then, like, normally I can go to Twitter and get humor or something to distract me. But instead, I just had to, like, 
sit with this episode for 24 hours and not talk to anyone about it. And I was like very sad about it. Which is a real flip because we had the, the screener since Wednesday and didn't watch until Saturday evening. And you first you were like, it's so hard to not watch them. And now you're like, I don't want to watch them. <laughs> I felt so isolated you know, and alone. To, to, to Just to be clear, I did not watch it ahead of time. I par- Partly because you're better than me. Not be spoiled. Mm-hmm. I don't want to know what's going on. I'm trying to keep it at arm's length, and you know I'm okay watching it. But but I, it didn't even occur to me that 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 dilemma that you have to kind of like keep it to yourself for a day or more. And it when it's particularly emotional, that's extra tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I was definitely crying very hard uh, multiple times in that episode. Yeah, yeah. Same here. So highlight performance. Well, I said it already. Patty. I'll say Patty Constantine. Uh, no doubt. We'll have plenty to say about him during the episode, so I, I won't bother to to go into it right now. I've said a lot already, and we'll say more. So, Shea, what do you have to say? I also am going to say Patty. I'm not just going to lie to everyone and not say him just because we're all saying it. I think he'll he'll take it away easily, handily in our poll this week, too. Like he'll definitely yeah, he win. may set a new record. Uh, yeah, like how he demolishes everyone. So I will say Patty, but I also want to give a shout out to Eve Best. Um, her performance as Rainies was was very good. Um, a little... Uh, uh, the mo- the most we've seen of her as well, so I was really glad to see that. And it was our for introduction to all these younger kids, like the the as their adult selves. So also shout out to Tom Glenn Carney and Fia Saban and Ewan Mitchell and Bethany Antonia and uh, Phoebe Cam. All of them, they're all great. Yeah. I-, I didn't even shout out the strong boys, but they were all great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Sean. I also picked Patty, Shocking. but also like a share since that's almost a given. Wanted to point out my my other pick would also be Eve Eve Best. Yeah, is that her name yeah. that played Rainey's. I also felt like this was a combination of she was more featured than she had be and been in other episodes. I think and maybe also a little more sympathetic in this episode too. Yeah, so. she was in a really tough spot. Like as Rainier uh, yeah. ascertained very cleverly, figured out that yeah, you're not going to support me. Because we're going to lose as long as Otto and Allison are making the call. It doesn't matter if you support us or not. We're going to lose anyway. But you also don't want to support Vaymond. <laughs> so that's how she figured out she was standing alone there, which is that was a really well done moment. I agree. And, and Eve's yeah. acting was really great there. And in the scene with Vaymond's death, like the, the silent sister scene when Orwell tells her, like, you know, she has that response about the stranger. Oof, that was good. Yeah, it was really like a rainy's coming through like fist pump kind of moment when she says the betrothal announcement there and when she says this is what my husband wanted because that is a moment where you a character could go one of two ways where they she could have not backed her husband's uh opinion and people would have not liked that and so it was it was an admirable thing for her to 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 respect his opinion on the matter even though she did not agree but no it was it was not uh, to be clear it was nice. It was good that she did that, but she did it very uh, with her or Bela's self, uh, with the self interest in mind. She knew that that was her best play. She didn't do it just to respect Corley's. Is my point. She was happy. It worked out for her that she got to respect her husband and with the correct play. It was like, yeah, okay, well, this lines up. Yeah, yeah. Well, also she got to accept the olive branch from Renera. Yeah, that was that was huge. me. Another yeah. I don't know, plus another part of the win. Definitely it was a win, win, win. And it showed this. The, it showed. The cleverness of her de- delaying an answer on that mm-hmm. it was like, well, let me see how this goes. She obviously didn't couldn't predict that Viserys would would walk in, which allowed and but but because she w- was cautious, she was al- able to pivot 
which, you know, <laughs> other people weren't able to pivot because they had gone too far. <laughs> if Visaris hadn't walked in, you don't think she would have done that, right? No, I don't. I don't. Absolutely no, not. she would have no done way. something entirely I'm, I'm different. I'm glad we're of a mind yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. She would not have said, my, my husband Corley's had this belief, so it just it worked out. <laughs> So you all seem to be picking Eve best for your second choice here somewhat. I had said in our document here, let's not do a dragon moment because there wasn't one. This is the first episode without a dragon in it. Like literally no dragons, not even for a split second. So we can't really have eggs. That's true. There were eggs, which was a cool moment. Those are technically dragons. I mean, there's in there. But I would say, so I just figured we just name a second actor, which you all did. Or you could certainly be welcome to name a third. I have a whole thing ready to say for this. Okay, cool. So I I was going to name Vaymond. I thought he was quite good, despite like, you know, his his positions, not (laughs) very sympathetic. Some of it is, I guess, but his the way he finishes it, it very much not obviously like he he did not pivot <laughs> he did the opposite of pivot he leaned in yeah. harder and i another reason for me to recommend the behind the scenes will johnson the actor like illuminates some of his character's thinking here and his position his personality like well this is a guy that just he's a bit like he doesn't say he's like stannis but that's sort of the, uh, between the lines there that he's he's honest to a fault he's not diplomatic and that's he's always been that way. That's why he's the master of complaints. This is a guy that that speaks blunt truths, even when it's not wise to. And it's ultimately his end. <laughs> so I thought that was cool. You might hear this come out of me a few times through the course of this, but uh, that that behind the scenes bit with him, I was frustrated with Vaman, and I was a little extra frustrated hearing the actor pitch it like that because if I could distinguish him from Stannis. Stannis is willing to change his mind, right? Like maybe he's honest to his fault. He has his problems. He can be cold. I don't know. But when Melisandre's like, look, if you really want to help the realm, you know, I can't remember the exact quote, but it's something along the lines of like, don't get the realm to save it. Save the realm, save the realm to get it. You yeah. know? And he's like, you're right. We should go north and fight, you know, the, the real bad guys. You know, I feel like he's open to advice from people around him. He's not that stubborn. Vayman is not. He was giving me out here. Like, look, you're really worried about the bloodline? Here's a solution. He's like, nope, I just want to be bitter and get it for myself. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. The kind of, it's not about ambition. It's about blood kind of fell off at the end. It was believable. Like it was like, well, maybe it's about ambition, but it was believable until then, until then. And it was like, nah, it was about ambition. (laughs) (laughs) The blood was your cover story. (laughs) Yeah. What did you highlight here? Oh, um, I really liked the scene where Allison is faced with this monster that she's created of, of her rapist son, Aegon. And like, they'll just, the, the emotion that crosses her face in that whole sequence as she looks at him and abuses him as well. Like, she's still hitting him. And, uh, like, this, this was the moment for me where I've been an Allison apologist throughout this podcast throughout every episode because i've been trying to only view allison by what she has done in the show at this point but this was for me the the breaking point moment where i can no longer make excuses or say anything on behalf of allison really because she just she 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 knows that her son raped someone and she still says this should be our king and oh anyways it was it was really well done by olivia cook Um, yeah I agree. It. And it's interesting because there's a lot of like she has some really high point moments in this episode, like her seemingly genuine uh, bridge building with Rhaenyra. 
well, it seems genuine until, of course, the end kind of throws a monkey wrench in the whole thing. But that's not of her doing, you know, so it's like, ah, Allison's having a little bit of a comeback here. Not in this moment that Shea describes, which is early in the episode. That's like a falling farther. But yeah, so yeah, I, I want to agree that that, you know, that moment toward the beginning is like, all right, well, it's gonna be hard to support Allison or the Greens maybe after this, you know, I, I similarly, I don't even know the, the reasons that people have hate for her, or Kristen or whoever else. But this was like, okay, now it's gonna be hard to defend her. I even wondered toward the end if maybe her uh, coming to terms with Rhaenyra, maybe and it's somewhere in her mind, she's like, okay, now I don't have to support my son. Like maybe there's a little bit of relief uh, for that. Maybe that was part of it. Yeah, because she does say you'll make a great queen. Maybe she was like backing down. And then, of course, it turns around at the end. And I also would like to correct myself, seeing people in the chat who ask that when I said Alicent has created Aegon, that she has created. No, I'm not saying Viserys has no culpability here. I'm saying that Alicent is literally faced with a, a boy that she birthed that she had mm-hmm. and raised and it's Alicent. And my point is that Alicent is the one who is looking at her child and realizing what she birthed and created. I mean it in that sense yeah. to be clear, not that I'm blaming Alicent to be King. Yeah. And either. also that, <laughs> yeah. that part as well is that Alicent yeah. is faced with this and she knows that he's done that and she's still pushing for him to be King. Just yeah. to be clear. I, I do also think that Viserys and Alicent through not being present were to blame for Aegon, but also Aegon broke that way. Like he, Aegon is ultimately to blame for that. Yeah, like uh, he's an adult at this point. Yeah, yeah he is. Uh, yeah. Even though he's, even though this pattern began well before adulthood, it's yeah, he is an adult now and and has to. T- has if to own every to parent him. was punished for their children's mistakes, there would be no more. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and it makes me think too of of what Ryan Condal said when we interviewed him, um, and we asked uh, who his favorite Aegon was, and he said. Aegon too has this deep pathos and he, in another family circumstances, he could have broken another way. He isn't just a Joffrey who is necessarily like doomed to, um, torture people and stuff like that. Yeah. Like but, you almost feel sorry for the pressure put on him, except he, he, he uses it as a wedge here in the exact, the worst time to bring it up. She's, she's accusing him of rape, which he admits to. And then he's like, Oh, but you put so much pressure on me. Like, that's not a reason to go rape someone like you could bring this up at some other time and be like, you put too much pressure on me, mom. That's why I drink a lot. You know, that's why I, I it's, you know, that's why this is on my show. It's the burden, but it's not an excuse to do that. Like, come on, man. That's, that's his worst. Like you, that's a, a thing to bring up that you could have had sympathy for, but using it at that moment is just horrible. <laughs> yeah. Also, he doesn't even have the full pressure on him. He doesn't know anything about the prophecy. That's true. He doesn't have that level no. of it. Yeah, he has his mom like yelling at him and Otto yelling at him, but it's not. Yeah, it's, it doesn't have the supernatural this, this backing. A, yeah, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I have like two things that have been like ruining me that I want to try to get out. One is uh, I don't know why they keep the prophecy such a secret. A lot of these problems would be solved if if Vasaris told at least two or three other people. If he told. Allison and or Otto and or Damon, I feel like all of them would like look at things a lot differently, be a lot more concerned about the big picture and the long term and all this pettiness might go away. Maybe that's too optimistic of me, but it seems like it's worth taking a chance, especially because as it is now, one random accident and the and the the prophecy's lost. It seems like it would be very wise to let several more people know, if not complete publicity. 
put it well, on the wall behind yeah, the Yeah, no, we, you can't do that. You definitely, can't do that. you definitely can't do that. You definitely can't do that. Yeah, maybe that's too extreme. Well, you remember who who's in charge? Like, like think about how powerful the faith is. Like, especially yeah, in this yeah, episode. You point, just can't go point. out there saying prophecies and dreams have meaning in a world ruled by the faith. Yeah. That's why Aegon didn't do it. Which is what, what yeah, we said at yeah. the time. Like, you can't just, like, especially at the time, he was trying to play nice with the faith, so he can't just turn around and be, by the way, also, this prophecy that is completely against everything I st- I've uh, just said I stand for. <laughs> Maybe that's too far, but I still feel like I have a legitimate point that he should tell at least two of Arguably, he could have told other people. This, this comes back to, like, maybe Ned could have told a few people about John. Like, it's a similar, yeah, po- it's yeah. a similar thing. Like, what if Ned just dies? Then no, John never finds out. No, that secret dies with him. Like, it, it's a risk, for sure. But... Never mind the value you get from other people knowing, right? There's some risk to some person finding out that might not like it or spin it a bad way, but there's also some value to someone finding out. And a civil war doesn't happen. Your family doesn't go against itself. All these other things that seem to be happening that very well might have been stopped. I mean, and and I, it's a risk to not I, tell people. So. And I do agree that like at the point that maybe Viserys or Alice or, or Rhaenyra or someone um, – sees that civil war is imminent or something that that might be a breaking point where they're like maybe now we should actually tell them and that will stop that that would be a natural thing but i also don't think that it's a plot hole or weird not to do that yeah it's just maybe a bad decision i would would be happy if they said something but i don't think it's a hole to not do it yeah yeah i'm with you there for sure what's your what was your other thing here's my my other thing is you know, the, the characters make lots of mistakes. You know, all the characters make lots yeah, of mistakes, humans, yeah. both uh, strategic and moral or whatever. But I think that a lot of problems could have been solved potentially. It seems like it was wor- at least worth trying for Anira and or Viserys or Allison. Several characters could have made a campaign of sorts to make Rhaenyra be accepted as the queen. What if she had flown with her husband on her dragon to all the major lords in the realm and said, hey, I'm looking forward to being your queen. Yeah. Beautiful farmland. Well, that is, that is yeah. a very Please normal. The next that's race. a completely normal thing to do. By the way, do. look at these dragons yeah. that I'll burn you up with if you don't follow me. Right? She made no real... She didn't have a lot of foresight into how things were going to play out when she became queen. Otto's pushing this idea that no one's going to accept her. But she could have done something to make sure they accept her. Allison could have too. Like, Allison could have got on her son's dragons and flown them out and said, hey, pretty soon... Rhaenyra is going to be your queen. We just want you to know that we support you supporting her and that our dragons are on her side. A lot of them could have made some moves to get this to work better, but it seems like they're all in their ivory tower. Well, she doesn't want it. I mean, I think it comes back to how she's like, I don't actually want this, which is what she admitted in the scene. That's the kind of thing you do when you want to be queen. You go out and you establish yourself i totally agree and it's not like some crazy it's not some crazy idea this is normally what happens what you described is normally what they do the heir does normally go out and (laughs) do royal progresses in fact half of Aegon the conqueror's reign was royal progresses like even after he was king and he when he got old he started sending out his heir to to do that instead and then the next heir Aegon the uncrowned did that before getting usurped by magor and i mean when Viserys had Rhaenyra do her little um, betrothal uh, wedding tour, tour yeah. uh, that was mm-hmm. a little mm-hmm. glimpse of what that could have been, and Rhaenyra really didn't seem to take to it at the time. No, she hated it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think that's what it is. And, like, and, you're right. You, you're calling yeah. it an ivory tower thing is pretty accurate because she's more. F- she cares more about how she feels about it than how important it is. And we see that, like, her her trying to impart kind of that mindset into Jace, and it works with Jace, where he's like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what they think, it's just about perception, whatever. Whereas Luke is, I think, more... He's affected by it. Yeah, more affected by it, and he's, yeah. he's 
he's right there. Him, you yeah. can't just ignore this. Yeah, Luke is closer to yeah. being right. Like <laughs> Jace has the right like attitude on how to handle it, but Luke has the right attitude on like you need to do something about it. Yeah, like, it doesn't need to break me. But this, you shouldn't ignore it either. <laughs> That's a great point. You're, you are right, though. That at least Jace does at least have like a, a better mindset for like his own mental health. Yeah, you you gotta like set that. You gotta push that aside. But you shouldn't ignore it. You should push it aside and deal with it, not push it aside and ignore it. Yeah. And the other thing that all this has got to keep in mind, like whatever they want. Uh, you know, the original Aegon that flew around trying to assert himself. Part of the reason for that is to prevent war, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. Part of it yes. might be to make sure you stay in power, but part of it, part of the the reason you're worried about, well, what, you know, it's maybe a duty, yeah, front. it's a duty, but, yeah. right? But well, you also don't want there to be war, you know? So yeah, totally, it, it, exactly. That is, and that is one of the things Otto keeps talking about. Is like, we want to stop war. Well, then yeah. don't and head it's, towards. It's a fault of Otto too. <laughs> yeah. In the same way, when Otto brought that that rumor, knowledge, or whatever about uh, Rhaenyra and Damon out in a brothel to Viserys, he brought it to him with a. Oh, she's really screwed up now. Yeah. Look at this problem child. How are we going to punish her? Rather than like, look at this mistake she made. How can we fix it? Yeah. Right? When Otto's telling Allison, the, the men of the realm aren't going to accept this queen. So we we won't either. He should be like, so we need to find a way to get them to accept this queen. Yeah. Or, you know, he's, yeah. I think, taking the wrong approach and it's frustrating. Absolutely. Of course, all that should have been done episodes ago. Like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> this is the yes. culmination <laughs> of that failure. Yes, yes. Of all those mistakes. Yeah. yeah. Benjamin Metzler says, why did the show work so hard to establish Damon as impotent in the early episodes? He can clearly have kids now. Thanks for the content. I think maybe it's definitely unclear. I don't have like a solid. I have a solid answer, answer for why I think they did it. Okay, go ahead. I think it was to just give Damon a clear emotional depth to the audience. Like I, I really think that, he that it human. was yeah, like to he... show that there are things simmering beneath the surface, that he feels guilt, that he feels mixed up about things. I really think that there he, doesn't have yeah. to be a big plot reason for him, his impotence. It can just be that we it's think we, it's character development. Yeah, he's he has kids with people that he loves and is connected to. That he he's maybe he's demisexual. You know? Yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't he doesn't do well if he's like if he doesn't have the intimacy first. He can't just like go and hook up with someone and feel good about it later. That's an interesting idea, actually. <laughs> Demi uh, Damon. Demi Damon. <laughs> yeah, it was something I had latched on to as well to the point that I was even suspicious of his his you know valerian kids but it that doesn't be seem to be part of the plot anymore yeah, so has, i i also kind of accept it as like maybe showing he's trying to overcompensate in some way yeah. and he has these inner guilt and cetera. So. four kids now with another one feel on the bad way. for him <laughs> but i still think he's a bad guy <laughs> yeah 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 definitely <laughs> themes and patterns um, priorities in life i think this one here uh, education's a big part of this one how not just the education but the results of education the way Aegon has turned out the way aemon has turned out the way jace luke bela and reyna have turned out uh, a real range of emotions we see a huge range on from both patty constantine's Viserys, from daemon a surprising range from daemon we see him giddy which we've never seen we see him disturbed which we also haven't seen um, Allison, also a huge range of emotions from apologetic to angry to massively disappointed in her son to sorrow over her husband's pain to uh, uncertainty about the drift mark move. She says, like, as we're getting close to this, I feel myself feeling a little uneasy about this. So there's just a lot of different emotions from her. Miscommunications, of course, remain a big part of the ongoing plot, but particularly important here. And setting wrongs are right. Some people see value in that, but the younger people don't because they haven't lived the they have they don't have a lived experience of how 
the cycle of revenge and grudges can play out over the long term. The old, the adults know about that. <laughs> They've seen I, it over and over, but the kids, mm-hmm. they just, they're just reacting. They don't know the long term effects of. I mean, these kind of things. I mean, they've, they've seen it firsthand that very day with Veyman's death. And I think that is a, a crucial Good part point. in why Rhaenyra and Alicent uh, played nice and were trying to make amends. They see right in front of them. Look, this is what this is going to lead to. Heads being chopped off. Yeah. When you, you can't think? settle your arguments, it turns to blood. And yeah. It's, yeah. It was a, it was an appetizer moment. Yeah. This is what we'll get if we don't. Yeah, you're, that's a great point. Like they, a lot of people saw Vaymond Vay- was absolutely the litmus test yeah. or the example for so many things. He's the succession crisis litmus test, the, the example of what happens if you don't accept, if you don't go with the flow, <laughs> if you push. Even Viserys has limits, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you, you asked me last week if I thought he was going to stand by his word with someone lose their tongue. And I was like, ah, someone might. I, I honestly right didn't. I honestly <laughs> didn't know because in the book he does. In the book, it's, it's slightly different. Damon cuts Vayman's head off in the book as well, but not at King's Landing. He does it, and not by surprise. Not by surprise either. Vayman utters his declaration, and Rhaenyra dispatches Damon to Driftmark, where Damon goes and kills him, brings his body back, and they feed it to Rhaenyra's dragon. So it's a little bloodier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like making an example out of it. Like, look, this is what happens anyone who challenges Mike kids succession here they're making a little more which is pretty similar to how it goes i do instead they do it in front of everybody it's there's no dragon involved but it's still like this is what happens if you challenge my kids but so what happens is sir Vayman's other relatives go to king's landing and a protest of viserys what happened and he has their tongues removed oh wow. yeah mm-hmm. I, I was gonna ask does Vayman have kids yes yeah yeah, uh, we can. Uh, he does. They haven't been featured in a show. I'll but, say uh, he does in the books. We haven't seen them technically in the show, but you'll note that there have been some other silver-haired black Valarians, yes. that, like a younger man that was next to like Lena. And my theory is that's one of Vayman's sons because he's of an age, and it just makes sense. Yeah, like the get. Our guess is that they've had like Corlys and da- and Vayman's mom was from the Summer Islands or something like that, because their dad was probably a regular Valarian or whatever, or and or maybe this is happened several times like yeah. they have some relationship established through trade like they yeah. their so ships go out of it was like back. hey we've got a great yeah. relationship with some high born family in the summer islands or maybe several and they've just done multiple marriages mm-hmm. um but that's just our guess at this point it would make sense yeah uh, so maybe so, we'll see the, the kids of, of vame and valarian come and matter yeah, in, the, in the future like, I, I, I kind of hope so yeah, they're still. They should still be around. Yeah, I mean, usually someone of that age is married in Westeros. When you're highborn noble and you're older, yeah. you're almost usually, almost certainly married by that age. Uh, so yeah, setting wrongs are right. Like it was the last point there. So let's go to Driftmark. Let's talk about that. So the word of Corlys's wounding and fever is the first thing we get. Interesting to think that he is going to be on Driftmark by the time Rhaenys leaves. He's back there. We don't have any word on his state. But all the time, everything's happening in King's Landing. Corley should be back at Driftmark by then. Because the maester says he'll be here in three days. And there's no way three days haven't passed. <laughs> I mean, we see two different nights pass. And Yeah, I did wonder about that. I, I, I felt like... So he's definitely it, still it, alive at this point. The episode yeah. took place in less than three days. Yes. Maybe just barely, but... Well, well, we know it had to be a little more than that. Because, yes, Rhaenys can get there quickly on her dragon. But Vaymond, no dragon. And Rhaenyra didn't fly her dragon. They took a ship with all her kids and everything. So that... There's at least the travel time, which is like two days or something. 
So there's yeah. So we, so they, they they probably haven't gotten word from Driftmark yet, but Sea Snake should be there unless he's already dead or something. Um, which so uh, Veyman broaches his succession issue there first, and it's really interesting because this is a change from the book having Viserys laid up and doped up, where the Greens have a great opportunity to rule in favor of their allies to make to really set the stage for the oncoming conflict by basically bribing a lot of their allies with positions that will win them to their side. Also, possession is nine-tenths of the law. Like, yeah. they're right there in King's Landing at the throne room. Like, I, I was even supposing, you know, leading up to this, that, that Viserys might get to a point where he's somewhat incapacitated and that Otto can effectively seize control. Mm-hmm. And uh, how does how aware are people islands away that this is happening? Even if they found out, what do they fly in and just burn King's Landing down with a dragon without knowing what's going on? Yeah, cutting their nose out despite the fate. <laughs> Once they land with their dragon and go investigate, they might be arrested. It didn't exactly yeah. play out like that, but you can see how possession is nine tenths of the law here. And you can see which way the wind was blowing as well in terms of this. After all, uh, like you said, you were right to wonder about that about his condition. Bela, crucial move here, Uns- unheralded hero here. If she doesn't send the letter to her dad, Veyman gets his way. He sails in there. No one knows about it. It's done. It's possession, nine-tenths of the law. He's, he's named heir to Driftmark before Rainier and Damon even find out. That's what would have happened. So Veyman, one of the, I, can almost symp- I can't sympathize with, with most of Veyman's position, but I can sympathize with his feeling of how unlucky this all was. <laughs> he, goes to the, he goes to King's Landing at the perfect time, and if it wasn't for... Those the letter kids. and Viserys. <laughs> yeah, those meddling kids, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and Viserys, like, deciding he wants to have dinner and not being doped up. Like, those two very unlikely things conspired to steal Driftmark from him. Otherwise, he probably would have gotten it, right? Or maybe. Yeah. I mean, there's still the, the issue of the sea snake not actually being dead. <laughs> there's still that, too. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was a pretty big deal, so... Anyway, well, we don't stay at Driftmark for long. Let's go to Dragonstone. Jace is working really hard to learn High Valyrian. He seems determined to be a good king. It's kind of like what you want to see from uh, uh, an heir to the throne. Meanwhile, Aegon, <laughs> the, the second <laughs> Aegon uh, Allison's kid is like, this is not what you want out of a son. It's very opposite. Very, very opposite. Like, wow. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was a peril I didn't catch at first either, but you see Rhaenyra's kids studying the language and the history. You see Allison's kids studying the sword in combat uh, and or yeah. using women. Like, they're, <laughs> they're studying like, that. Yeah, practicing <laughs> that. Yeah. Yeah, Eamon, that's a, that's a really, I noticed that too. That's a really good point. Like, when they're at the training yard, they're like, wow, Eamon is really good. This is what he's been working on. They've been learning how to rule. He's been learning how to kill. And it's like, oh, mm. shoot. <laughs> that's that's bad. <laughs> he's he's been getting ready. That's what he's been preparing for. You know, it was like, really ah. good acting from the um two from the two young boys uh from Elliot and uh, uh from from Luke and, and Jace where they uh are like really 
excited to see Eamon, like how what a badass he is, but then like it dawns on them, like, oh no. Like, oh uh-oh. no. <laughs> this is they not go from good. giddy to no. to intimidated. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And they, yeah like, this guy is really good at fighting and he has the biggest dragon. Ugh, that's not, and he seems really in- intense. And he says, I don't care about tourneys, which means he does care. It means he's training for this. <laughs> he's training to fight. The enemies of his family and the enemies of his, of his family are his family. <laughs> These two, his nephews. Like you know, young Rhaenyra would have approved of that statement. I don't, I don't care about tourneys. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yes, put him on my king's guard. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> yeah, would be a, maybe a better place for him. Not for Rhaenyra's king's guard, but some king's guard. Yeah. You know, I thought there was a little irony in uh, Jace saying a king should honor the traditions of his forebears. Yeah. Given it, Viserys isn't honoring the traditions of his forebears. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> like a lot of people are not honoring traditions of their forebears. There's a lot of traditions they have were, been changed. Be very, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Renera didn't either. You know, usually you don't have bastard kids getting the throne. Like uh, on and that's on, not a tradition. Yeah. That yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. This they are the tradition breaking. A, a, a family of the group you know like we agree that a lot of these traditions should be broken but <laughs> technically yeah. they are broken traditions whether they're good ones or not so mm-hmm. Rhaenyra is pregnant but not like super pregnant which in the book she's like eight months pregnant when Viserys dies so it's a little different in that sense um, we'll see how that plays out also at Dragonstone, there were cranes and maybe construction was going on. I was wondering about that. Are they building their fortifications up? Yeah, you noticed that too, huh, Sean? There were like winches, pulleys and things like that. Yeah, it didn't occur to me that it might be construction. I just thought it was like a method for a castle to get stuff up and down. Yeah, you know, it water, might have been. Yeah. Maybe carts of wine or stone or whatever. But that also could be used for construction and uh, added to it that likelihood maybe was in the behind the scenes they said that Damon was working on an incubator. Incubator. Yeah. In the episode, he said, put it in the warming chamber. But it seemed like there was more to it than that when you watched it behind the scenes. I don't suppose there's a word. I think incubator probably isn't a word in Valyrian. Yeah. <laughs> Not Valyrian. It's a little too modern, maybe. But I don't know. <laughs> warming chamber, yeah, I, same difference. <laughs> I say, I seeing that behind the scenes just really cracked me up because we watched the episode and Aziz like makes this joke about how Damon is, is you know like a, a dragon egg farmer and I'm like haha real funny Aziz. <laughs> he's a retired dragon egg farmer and father he's just living an idyllic life you know that's all he does oh. now and so I'm like haha very funny like sure he, surely he's just doing this to get the, the three eggs for for little little upcoming baby in the oven and maybe the two boys you know like I'm like surely this is him just doing a thing to for this one time and then he says, no, Damon just has this new hobby. And I'm like, oh, so he's just do, he is just doing this <laughs> for fun, which is very cool character trait to give him that he mm-hmm. is, is farming for dragon eggs. <laughs> That's him. I would have liked it more if they had him in the same garb as the dragon trainers. Ah. There. I thought it was a little humorous. <laughs> they, Damon uh. seems to have the same sort of like, black leather robe outfit for everything yeah. like yeah. rock climbing and <laughs> everything he does and it's yeah. pretty clean afterwards Going also the bedroom, whatever he's oh yeah it's his all-purpose targaryen frock <laughs> his coveralls targaryen coveralls yeah so yeah and, and like we said he was a little bit giddy like three eggs three eggs yeah. he was really excited it was really neat definitely a mood we hadn't seen from him yeah and and you're right like he they were going for the other thing from the BTS is they're talking about they're going for alien the movie alien vibes like the the eggs from alien hatching and and 
they look like they think they caught that vibe pretty well. So yeah, he's this yeah. idyllic, just retired dragon egg farmer raising his kids in peace, but they pull him back in again. <laughs> Actually, in the BTS, they also say that he's building the incubator for the long term because he see he foresees the conflict. So in a sense, he's not just retired; he's still preparing for conflict. But I still like my take. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so and of course he comes out of retirement pretty quickly to cut a head off. So it's, he's ready. He's always ready to swing his sword, and he's ready to go to King's Landing. And she's like, "Look, this is going to call into question my son, our son's, you know, legitimacy by extension. So we got to go." And he's like, "Yep, let's go to King's Landing." As he puts his hand on her pregnant belly, so it's kind of like very telling, like. Uh, Despite the fact that you're pregnant, we're still doing this. You know, this is this is the risk we have to take for and the yeah, other children. Yeah, and I really appreciated, you know, the idea that Damon like brings her the letter and doesn't say a thing and just lets her, lets her re- have, respond. Yeah. yeah, let her lets her respond, and yeah, he really is male wife Damon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> now, yeah. He, you know, he, he's a. Uh, it, it's it's been really interesting seeing their relationship as two adults in a partner in a, in a partnership, which is different from how we saw them as uncle and niece before the time skip. He's a better husband and brother than he is Prince. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a bad prince, but a decent husband and a decent brother. He's only a mediocre father, <laughs> in my opinion. What's that? He's only a mediocre father. A mediocre my... father, yeah. Okay. Uh, I, okay. I have to say, yeah. I, he hasn't You're done right. anything to blow me away on that front. Uh, That's a good point. The bar is low. Westeros <laughs> 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 for fathers, so maybe throw that in there, but you're right. I, I agree. <laughs> TKOK, uh, TKOK Podcast Network says, watching the episode tonight, but wanted to pop it and send some love. Well, we'll send some love right back at you there, Tommy. Appreciate that. Lynette Carter says, also the parallels between Jace and Eamon being serious and Luke and Aegon being pranked. That's a good point. You got the first son of Rhaenyra and the second son of Alicent being real, real serious types that don't take jokes well that are maybe more serious. We did see Jace playing around a little bit in the practice yard. Yeah, like with the sword, like yeah, yeah, he was you know, a little playful. That. He did have yeah. his kind yeah. of fun breakdown moment, but that wasn't pranky. That was more just like having a good time, being like lighthearted. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like Aegon a- and Luke are more like the pranksters, the gigglers, the ones who because a- like Aegon, for example, when Vaymond is making his case, Aegon's like laughing because he's like, ah, he's showing those bastards what's what. And then Aegon gets his head, then he starts, then he also laughs when Vaymond's head is cut off. He's like, ah, this whole thing is funny to me. Yeah. Like, whatever, whatever. It's all just a big joke. So, which is pretty fitting for his character. Like, he's just despondent, doesn't like where his life is going, just drinks and doesn't take anything seriously. Yeah. Yeah, that's about right. Devil's Sounds like a great king. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, Devil's Advocate says, hasn't Jace been working on his Valyrian since a young child, bonding with his dragon? He's still having trouble with basic words. And I wanted to point this out because Rhaenyra at this age was very fluent in Valyrian, speaking with Damon. Yeah. And so I-, I have to wonder. Uh, gotta figure Jace maybe just isn't that good at Yes, it. languages just don't always come supernaturally to everyone. And maybe yeah. he didn't put as much work in for a while. Uh, yeah, but it is, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, a character choice to make to make him not be as fluent or it not come naturally to yeah him. maybe he did maybe he, you're right maybe he didn't work on it as much when he was a kid maybe he's now he's taking it more seriously i don't know yeah he it could also be that as a kid he was learning like dragon commands and got really good at them 
But it might have been a limited vocabulary, I don't know, 20 or 30 That's words true. or something. You're right. There's not a lot and now of he's like there. reading history books. Yeah. That's going to be a lot more. The history books might be more likely to use outdated words that he wouldn't have already learned, and but, et cetera, et cetera. But still, it makes you wonder, was was Rhaenyra particularly talented and prodigious, or was she very interested in it? And conversely, as it, in, in, in as much as it tells us something about Jace as a character, I think it also tells us something about Rhaenyra as a character and as her as a teenager and the, the fact that she was, she was very fluent in it. And then she comes in and is able to uh, i don't know uh, i wonder you know, i wonder if she's speaking to jace in valyrian like damon would speak to her you know what i mean oh or if damon, that'd be a way for them to practice or it, damon yeah, speaks it to her uh, yeah around the house just to practice uh, you know i kind of i seem to remember jace maybe struggled a little with it in the dragon pit scene i think i i yeah. kind of remember the dragon keeper guy being like command him in valyrian or so like yeah encouraging to use the proper words i think maybe he wasn't taking to it even then we'll have to look back on that maybe mm-hmm. there was some little little uh, groundwork laid for this slight difficulty with language from him anyway let's move on uh lord of lone leaf says in the behind the scenes the says that he thought it'd be interesting that if anyone cut cut by the throne gets this leprosy disease which is a pretty huge implication and has implications yeah i was surprised to hear him say that too because they're like what did aries have it too i mean aries died youngish but maybe before that could get going but he maybe that's pretty rough he did look rough. He looked real rough. Um, didn't take care of himself. Wouldn't let people approach him. So you could squeeze that in there without it, you know, without it seeming like a change. Um, there are other characters that could cut on the throne. So yeah, but most of them don't live long lives either. So that could be, yeah, it does have implications. We're going to have to think that through a little more. We're going to maybe go back through the Targaryen tree and look maybe for other examples. It might not necessarily be the case, but it might not be incompatible with other Yeah, things. I definitely don't think it's... No, that doesn't work. I don't react that way to it, but it's like, hmm, that is kind of a bold choice, but we have to think it through some more. So good call, Lord of Lone Leaf. We do plan on giving that a little more attention after we have a little more time to think it through and, and go through the... the Probably talk about it a little on Thursday, too. Yeah, that's uh-huh. a good idea. We could talk about it on Thursday some for the, for the Viserys stream. A lot of people are curious about Ewan Mitchell. That's the actor playing Aemond. A lot of people wonder that the, there's only one real complaint. Everybody's very pleased with his performance, but he does look a little old, um, which is fair because he is a little old. <laughs> uh, but what's really funny is I went into the rabbit hole to try to find out how old he is, and I couldn't find it. And other people haven't been able to either. This dude has concealed his real age to the media, uh, which is interesting <laughs> as we pointed out before he was in last kingdom and last kingdom wasn't an every year show it's it's got heavy production with armies and battles yeah. and stuff so it, it had a while between some of the seasons and he's been on it since season two so he's probably 30 if not over 30 or close to it because tom glenn carney Aegon, is 27 <laughs> so yeah. he's well older than his role as, yeah, Tom as well. Tom Glenn Carney is one year younger than his mother, Allison Olivia, yeah. Hoff, which is uh, <laughs> very funny to There's me. someone on Twitter pointed out that he looks like Jack White. Uh, Aegon, Tom Glenn Carney was like, whoa, he really does. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. He does, now that I hear that, yeah. <laughs> but of course, Ewan Mitchell is supposed to look like Damon, look like Matt Smith, and he does. <laughs> so that that works too. They get that long face with the prominent chin and the, the stare, and of course the hair, the wig is... <laughs> pretty similar so what is worth me personally i'm not quite as uh bothered by these sort of aesthetic things you know i think if the story and the characters and the direction and everything else is that's what i'm more focused on than does the character sometimes maybe it's confusing uh if you're not sure about how old someone is right like i was a little confused about visaris i thought at first when i think he was supposed to be around 30 i thought he was around 50 
but that, that was clarified for me. And I feel like the freaking eye patch that clarifies it completely, you know, that yeah. I don't think that much. <laughs> I'm partly thinking about in better call Saul because it was a flashback, but the actors, you know, were aging yet playing younger parts, <laughs> yeah. but, but I, I wasn't confused. I totally understood. It was fine. Yeah. The drama and the writing and everything are so much more important and valuable than the, exactly some aesthetic thing with a wig or makeup or whatever. So. Totally agree. Totally agree. I guess it was good forethought on you and Mitchell's part to conceal his age. He didn't know he would have this <laughs> role, but it worked out. Without <laughs> spoiling anyone, people will know that that's extra fitting considering of uh, the character Alice Rivers. Oh, yeah. Also, <laughs> but I won't say anything. Yeah, we don't know You'll Alice meet Rivers Alice Rivers age. probably next season. Uh, but yeah, and her funny. age is also kind of undetermined, so <laughs> it's fitting. <laughs> She'll have an association with him. So let's say, let's give a couple shout outs and a couple more questions here. Thanks to our blood riders, Koa Koei called Sun Piercer, wielder of a dragon bone bow. Kakavo the Tamer, wielder of a wildfire whip called Gehenna. Screenwriter Catherine Van Pelt, wielder of a Valyrian steel quill, slayer of unoriginal screenplays. As well, uh, shout out to our... Uh, Queens of Love and Beauty from the depths of Flea Bottom, Lord Ken of House Hammer has declared for Queen Carrie, Fire in the North, who recovered Dark Sister from beyond the wall. A laurel of glory in the name of Bud to House Beresford. Bud of House Beresford, excuse me. Knight of Tolkien and Arbiter of Scotch from Sandy the Dragon, Blood of Queen Daenerys and Lady of Jameson. Whiskey and blood do mix quite well. I guess whiskey's kind of like the fire, fire and blood. Yeah, that works. Yeah, especially if it's like... Fireball whiskey. <laughs> Don't say fireball. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people just got sick. Just me saying the word fireball made people <laughs> sick. <laughs> George Hutto says, hello, everyone. I have a theory about the title Protector of the Realm. It is a title invented by Aegon I, but Protector against what? Maybe it refers to Aegon's ice and fire dream. Huh, interesting. That kind of makes some sense. It's usually like the chief general, the lord marshal, the top military person, which is often the king himself or I'll the second in command. That is a, a, a protector is a term that just exists, period. So I'm inclined to think that it wasn't because of that, but it's could st- it could, could be in worlds because of that, but there it, it is a real thing that George is uh, riffing off of. Yeah. Um, that makes well. sense, yeah. Hmm. Also, you can imagine a lot of positions have several different terms that could be used. And for one reason or another, you pick one, you know, then he chose, Aegon chose protector, not, yeah. I mean, he has like 18 titles, but yeah. uh, <laughs> but among them is protector and it could have been some other. <laughs> Fodder for foreshadowing says, do we think that Aegon getting, will get drunk at the beginning of season two and smash up the old Valyria model? literally destroying that side of his heritage. Seeing the model destroyed will break my heart. That's him saying, that's fodder for foreshadowing, saying the model destroyed will break their heart. It will. It would break my heart too. And one thing that might save us is we talked about how Ryan Condal is a big lover of props. Would he really write that prop being destroyed? Maybe he would. Maybe he would write like a part of it being destroyed because... <sighs> As I said at the beginning, this is when they really go into detail on how this was made in the BTS because it's so big. It's it's at its largest and final extent. It's not going to grow any Mars, we don't think. That's not a spoiler. It's This isn't in the book. We don't know. This model isn't in the book, so we don't know, really. But they put so much work into it and created it. Like I, I, I feel like it d- deserves to go to people's basements. Like The people that made it, the showrunners, the actors, it should not be destroyed. But if they can destroy it, like they can use a fake one to destroy it. Maybe they can yeah. use some trickery to not really destroy it. Mm. I feel like it should become part of a museum or something. It I, belongs in time a museum. Passes. Yeah, Indiana Jones, <laughs> that thing, right? Like yeah. All the artsy says, I would rather Allison be the one to destroy the model, seeing as they bonded over that. And I, yeah, I think that oh. a lot of emotional significance there, too, of Allison wow. 
flips out and breaks down and destroys the model. Yeah, that would definitely. That I would think be- I think it would have greater emotional significance for me if it was Allison doing it. But I, I could see Aegon also having a, a moment like that. That would be more emotionally significant than just a tantrum. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> if Allison did it, yeah, that yeah. would be. That would be that would make us sad for multiple reasons, not just the don't destroy the model reason. <laughs> yeah, maybe they have to destroy it because it's infested with rats. Oh god, uh, yeah. I did have a rat on it. Yeah, you're right. Boy, the rats just that is a constant thing, isn't it? There's been a rat in almost every episode, <laughs> except maybe the first one. I, I don't know. There's there's almost every one. I, I was even wondering because we talked a lot about how that it might be sort of symbolic of King's Landing being infested, or the Targaryens, or Viserys being infested. You know, his his disease, these rats, and I I even wonder if it's if they are intentionally trying to be a symbolic in some way. Like, Amon lost an eye, Viserys lost an eye. Is that just a coincidence, or is that meant to be a parallel? I. I wonder even if I saw people that were like it was karma. He should have defended Aemon. He wouldn't have lost his eye too. <laughs> he lost his eye. He lost the other eye. Like he, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, together, they've okay. got a full set. They they had uh, another behind the scenes little bit. They drew a parallel to the Last Supper. You know, yeah, with, you know, with Jesus and apostles to so that mm-hmm. Last Supper they had there. Which I think I think Jesus had twelve apostles, so there are thirteen people there. There were twelve people at that table, but Rainey's wasn't there. Um, mm. I don't know if that means anything or could mean anything. Maybe it's just a, a close parallel. But anyway, uh, I was wondering, I, I was just taking note of the positioning at the table. Um, Saris had uh, his uh, daughter and that side of the family on one side and the high towers on the other side, like Alicent yeah. and Otto on the side where his eye was missing. <laughs> I, mean, was, I mean, a 50-50 chance for that to be either way, but I wonder if they decided to make it be that same side on purpose. Hmm, I mean, they had to choose the blocking for a reason. Like, we're going to yeah. have them on the left and you on the right, so I don't think you're far off to think that that... Like in this shot of Shea has on screen, the eye patches are on the far side, so you can see their eyes better. That may have been why they did it, you know? So, like oh. for us, oh, like yeah, in this yeah. view, but the, the two people with eye patches, their one eye is very clear here. Yeah, that's true, true, that it could have been um, a blocking thing as in for for uh, not plot significance, but for uh, audience reasons. Yeah, that's that's um, entirely the possible. other possibility. Yeah, there might be an etiquette reason too. like, I, I don't know what in the world of Westeros is, but in the real world, there is sort of an etiquette that the position of honor is to the right. Yeah, like in the military, the higher ranking person will oh. always walk on the right and the political scenarios, the subordinates will always be to the left of the president he'll be on the right etc which is so being held here that might be the queen is to yeah, his right if allison's the queen yeah. she's to his right so you know like i said it's 50 50 but left, no i do yeah. like melissa blackwood <laughs> says allison was his blind spot good one good one uh okay let's talk about some of the stuff before the dinner by the way i want to make a, it's funny that the two main influences on this episode from the showrunner's perspective are the bible because yes last supper i even note i even called this scene the last supper in our document because they did make a point of aiming and alien <laughs> so we get the bible and alien are the two <laughs> big Those are my two bibles <laughs> <laughs> ridley scott is Jesus, I don't know, uh, and um, yeah. He's a prophet, at least. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, there's a snub greeting when they show up. It's kind of like, Sean, you noticed, it's kind of like a drift mark when Viserys shows up there. It was a power move. It was an intentional snubbing. 
planned ahead. Like they were like, this is exactly how we're going to snub them. <laughs> I remember it was like, yeah. I was like, was, we, was gre- even, we greeted them as the fits their planned. station. Like, yes. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and her, it was maybe a little subtle, but they made a point of it when, yeah. uh, he says when, that. when you told Otto, like just as you direct, commanded or directed. Or yeah, yeah, like, and Harold doesn't seem like he loves that either. He's like, he, like says, he's like, just as you told me to do, I did that, that yeah. weak thing. That's been a little yeah. bit of <laughs> neat little character building for Harold. He doesn't like the bickering, the infighting. Like when when uh, Damon and Otto are arguing on Dragonstone, there's a moment where one of them insults the other, I forget which, and they cut to Harold and he like puts his head down in shame. Just a real quick moment of like he does not like this talk, you know, and yeah, he, he thinks this is beneath them. So I feel like this is similar. He probably also knows it's trouble for him. At some point, he's going to have to make a decision. And how does he do it? And yeah. Back to that uh, thought in a moment, Sean. That's a really good idea. But, okay, but I've yeah. got that s- s- highlighted for discussion. Did you have something else to add as well? Well, I'm sure we'll get to this in the future too. But just thinking of the parallel of Viserys showing up at Driftmark versus Rhaenyra showing up at King's Landing. Yeah. Also compare it to Vaemon showing up at King's Landing. Yeah, how he gets the, the walk of honor, like the honor guard for him. Yeah. It really shows like, okay, so we're the royals showing up. And we get nobody. Mm-hmm. But Vaymond gets like the high tower honor guard escorting him through yeah. the gates like super fancy. Yeah, that was very telling. You're right. Yeah. So uh, they only get Lord Caswell to greet them. Now, here's the thing we talked about on Saturdays. We were, we were in advance of Sean's question that we're going to get to in a minute talking about the Kingsguard. We weren't sure which Kingsguard from the book were brought over. We thought maybe they got rid of Stefan Darklin. But sure enough, like right on cue, Stefan Darklin is the one announcing their arrival. He's He arrives with them and says, you know, Rhaenyra, Queen, you know, heir to the throne, etc. And we, of course, that's the kind of thing we only know because of the subtitles. <laughs> so, by, by him arriving with them, should we assume that he's been living with them on Dragonstone? Yes. Yes, yes I would assume that. Yeah. Which makes sense. Some of the Kings guard would be living with the heir to the throne like two or three of them maybe maybe i guess it's only one yeah maybe maybe. just one yeah Uh, but that may change in the book it's i think two or three of them are on dragonstone but that's that's unclear lord caswell has he been yeah Yeah, he's the one that congratulate he was the one to congratulate her on joffrey when she's walking up the stairs to bring joffrey to allison in the opening scene of of episode six yeah so that was that was him same guy yeah There he is. But they seem to be featuring him again. I wonder if that's just a minor extra that doesn't matter if they're building up for more. Yeah, like this could be the culmination of what they were building him up for, but we could see him again, is what yeah. you're saying. Because like they, they did lay the groundwork for this man to come out um, eventually. Yeah, and of course you got to figure like people taking people taking sides. Everybody, most of the lords in the realm realize that something's going to go down when there's going to be a succession struggle. So they're kind of telling people they're making people know where they stand and they're letting the audience know at the same time so uh yeah so we talk about sir Vaymond getting his big welcome and then that pivots to the council chamber meeting and it's this is when allison is uneasy she's like i don't like doing this but the gains are massive what if they're looking at it from a purely pragmatic ruthless perspective this decision gets them everything they want they undermine luke which undermines Jace, which paves the way for Aegon to be king, and it brings the int- the richest house in the realm onto their side, presumably away from the opponents, or at least away from neutrality. So it's a humongous power move. If they had pulled this off, they might have just won. <laughs> they might have just been like, "Hey, we're we're in the you, you can't challenge us now. We're too powerful." 
So it was a really kind of close run thing in, in that sense. So that's part of what apparently brings Alice into Long is she's uneasy about doing it, but it's too big of a thing to not do. Otto's all for it, obviously. And Veyman says the right things. He's like, uh, a lord of the tides, you know, like whoever you install, Lord of the tides will be very grateful to you. He's like, yes, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours with half the realm's fleets. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the the unspoken part, which you were alluding to, Sean, I don't know if you meant to allude to this or not, is like, well, what? He's like, we can't have the fleet commanded by a child. It's like, it wouldn't be. He would, in yeah. fact, it would probably, if Vayman to just calm down, he would probably be the guy put in charge of it all. He's the most, he is yeah. the best man for the job, but he doesn't have to be the Lord to be the commander of the fleet. He could be like, you're, you're the man for this job. You're still going to be honored with the highest position available. I mean, I, I wouldn't be happy with that in Vayman's position either, though. Like I wouldn't that. either, but it would have been better than being killed. Probably, yeah, yeah. it's still something. Right. Like, yeah. And the point is that he's being dishonest about who's going to be in charge. Really, yeah. like it's not. That, that's what I was going to yeah. say. He started off telling Rainies, "We've got to be honest with ourselves." <laughs> All right. Well, if you're being honest with yourself, a kid's not going to be in charge of the navy. It's not really about being honest with yourself. It's his ambition. Yeah. <laughs> and and I think that a lot of that meeting there, what, what they're trying to do is make Allison okay with this. They need because perception over truth, right? Like yeah. this is what we can say to pitch it we don't want a kid in charge of the navy okay the reality is that won't be true but they're not being honest with themselves they're trying to find a way to pitch this and get allison on board yeah very well said sean you're totally right and that pivots to the full council scene when the rest of the council is actually there and they discuss this more openly it's it's very much like a a tywin thing where they make the decision ahead of time and then pretend to discuss it openly not letting everybody know they've already made the decision uh, Orwell's kind of reluctant. He's like, well, I don't know about this. And Beesbury's flat out against it. He's like, what are you talking about? There's no reason to go get and, ja- and Jasper Wilde's like, what reason indeed? Wink, wink. What reason indeed? Yeah. Like the one that we all know because we all know those kids are bastards. Like he's just not saying the thing that they all know. Thailand is interesting because he's the master of ships. So he might actually be honest that like we need the the ships in control of someone that's really competent. But I, I, that's, I think that's being generous. He's probably just taking the side of the greens. Like the wind is blowing that way. Everyone on the council is pretty much a green except for Beesbury and Orwell's kind of like a little neutral right now, but he's still a maester of the Citadel from old town, <laughs> you know? So like even he's under a ton of pressure. Only Beesbury can kind of stand alone here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it really is, like you said, Sean, like they have really entrenched themselves. The Greens, while the while Rainier's faction's been off at Dragonstone, the Greens have just been training for war, making allies, putting people in the council, and here they are making backroom deals about who should be lords. Redecorating that I mean, too, but, yeah. No, that I mean, is that, part of it. That it is, is a big deal. Yeah. yeah. Like it does matter. We'll get to that in a minute. That is a good point. Um so everyone else though is other than Orwell's reluctance and Beesbury's uh, saying no everyone's just for yeah let the crown decide do what's best for the crown what's best for the crown like you said sean is a shield <laughs> it's a it's mm-hmm. a it's, it's just a, a way to hide even the real if it's legitimately factors. best for the crown it also happens to be good for them what is yeah <laughs> like, and, and what beesbury says is really smart he's like well, his ability has nothing to do with ability has nothing to do with how we process claims. That's never on the table. It's it's all about <laughs> who's first born. Like that skill and, never comes into I, it. He's <laughs> like, what are you talking about? That never matters. And on one hand, Beesbury should be right. Yeah, he is right. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of ironic that we all feel like they're manipulating things, and if Beesbury is 
saying the truth, but really the truth Beesberry is saying is a bad one. Yeah, yeah, yeah really. Maybe it should be about truth, ability. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it should be about ability. Toothless, I'd say that. And to be fair, they're not all really trying to find the most able person either. No. They're trying to find power for them. They're trying to find the person who will be most allied to them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So coming back to the Kingsguard, because that's the next thing here. You've got the council pretty solidly on the green side, if we look at them as a whole. What about the Kingsguard? You're totally right, Sean. That's a huge decision. They're supposed to be loyal to the king. What do they do when they don't know who the king is? What do they do when there's two different factions, both with pretty strong claims to king? to being to having the the right heir to the throne so very quietly they've given us a little more on the king's guard here they introduced eric and Arik, uh, more, them, more thoroughly see, they've already been there but they yeah. were more thorough we see about them we see them, them dueling in the background in the training yard a little yeah. bit and um we see it's eric is the one that <laughs> uh knows about Aegon and diana and tells yeah. allison with concern so like he knows a good bit <laughs> yeah and and allison didn't they had that nice clever line where Allison mistakes him for his brother and he's like oh I'm I'm Eric not Arik and she's like oh my bad yeah like of course I'm like not of course how do you <laughs> it's a totally understandable mistake the only thing you would it's, the only thing she did wrong was assuming she knew which one it was it's like well anytime you say a name you're 50 50ing it <laughs> <laughs> is there like another like they should have had more there should be an Oric and a an Uric <laughs> an Eric <laughs> Yeah. Eric. Eric. Zeric. Yeah, yeah just... all of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Harold. So, we have Eric, Arik, Harold Westerling, Kristen Cole, Stefan Darklin. That's five. We got n- five named Kingsguard, which uh, there's only seven. The From the book, we can narrow down who the other two are because there's three that are in the book that aren't. Uh, so, they'd fill out the other two slots. To be fair, the, we don't have show, Harold Westerling at this point right, in the book. Right. Because in the book, Harold Westerling dies way before this. <laughs> and, like, like 15 years before this, he's done. They've definitely changed his role somewhat, um, although it remains to be seen for what purpose. Uh, but Laurent Marbrand, who, if you all remember, the Marbrands are a key house in the West. Tywin's like top young commander is Adam Marbrand, who was like good buddies with Jamie. They're like the same age. They came up together. Uh, Willis Fell, who is from House Fell. They're a Stormlands house. And they're not particularly prominent. And then Rickard Thorne, who does have a bitter a, a bit of a bigger role in Fire and Blood? So I'm guessing he's one of the three. And Rickard Thorne, of course, would be an ancestor of uh, Alistair Thorne. Um, of I want I want one of them to be Willis Fell, and I want them to be played by Will Ferrell. <laughs> <laughs> what you talking about, Willis? He's a big dude. He could be a Kingsguard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. So let's talk about the maid thing. We talked about it somewhat already. We've already kind of talked about Aegon, but not the plot relevance of this moment. Uh, she sleeps with his children's maid. I'm not sure if that was clear to everybody. That was the maid for his kids. So a, I'm not sure if it was clear that he has kids with his sister Helena, but. It, that was who he slept with, their maid. Because uh, Helena comes out just to innocently ask, where's Diana? She's gonna, she was supposed to dress the children. And it's like, oh, well, uh, Allison's going to have to explain this one <laughs> to her daughter. What her Or get a new maid. I bet she does not explain it. I bet she just gets a different That's maid. That's true. She's yeah. like, Diana had to go. Yeah, she probably doesn't give the full explanation. Yeah. But she gives the Tywin line. Allison does mm. to Aegon. You're no son of mine. That's what Tywin says to Tyrion. Oof. Mm. Yikes! That's a that's a that's a that's a rough one. And then she pivots to what could be Cersei vibes, but isn't. Cersei would have definitely handled this differently. Cersei would have just like had this woman killed. Mm. Uh, 
But Cersei, but but Allison actually shows a half sympathy, half real politic, like half ruthless politicking, but does show sympathy, like legitimate sympathy, but also forces her to take you know the the forty eight hour plan T or whatever it is. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I did feel like Allison was devastated by this whole scenario. Oh, you know, yeah. she's not yeah. happy to cover up this rape. She's not happy to abort this child, but she. She's just not quite sure what else to do. Yeah. Know? She still does it, you know, and it's kind of like, yeah, she's hiding her son's awful crimes here uh, and pushing him to be Cersei would have done it with no remorse. Cersei would have had no remorse. Yeah. 20 years from now, Allison might do it with no remorse also. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if she just keeps she having to, to do, accept. Yeah. If she does it many times, you do just get immune to, to, to the idea and. Yeah, I, I, I say 20 years from now because I was trying to make it comparable to Cersei, but Allison and Cersei are probably, Cersei in the show is a little bit older than the Cersei in the books, yeah. right? Uh, yes, and Allison in the books is older than Cersei in the show, or older than Cersei in the yeah. books. So, like, they aged up Cersei, show Cersei, and aged down, show Allison. So, like, they're kind of flip-flopped <laughs> in this. But they should be comparable ages, close to... 30-ish? Yeah, I mean, they're they're mothers that have a lot of kids that are married to the king. Yeah, yeah. they have a ton in parallel. Yeah, age the age is a little funky because of those things. But yeah, still, it's not super far off. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I was thinking about the amount of time Allison has had, Cersei had to become as cynical. Has Allison had enough time to become that cynical? Yeah. I think she has now. I think this episode was the day that the, yeah. she became that cynical. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think you're right. And I... This, this was a really hard scene for me. Like, I... I, I, I get what they're doing and I like what they're doing, but it's really sad. It's yeah. really like this. This yeah. was Al like to me that like I know there's been a lot of other moments that people were already done with Allison over. But to me, this was it. The, this was like you can't come back as a character for me after knowing that a girl got raped and not only brushing it under the rug and gaslighting her a little bit about it too, to, to, uh, but also then pushing for that kid to be king, like yeah. no excusing it for me. So I'm, I'm officially off team Allison, <laughs> sadly. So she makes it, yeah, she makes a big deal about keeping the secret. That's, that's part of what you're saying there. And here's where it takes a twist. She drinks the tea, brought in by Talia who Talia Talia's name is mentioned several times they really wanted to make sure we know who she is uh, and she says that you know no, yeah Diana says nobody knows and she says well you told Tia you told Talia, Talia and you told Eric and now me yeah. so three, three people do know and she's like well no one else is going to find out I'm like okay yeah, maybe Eric will never say anything, but this Talia person, she's not keeping secrets. <laughs> she's selling them. <laughs> so we were wondering about this. We kind of foresaw something with Talia because her name, her name was dropped episodes ago. We're like, interesting that they named a serving girl. Like usually you don't name any servant. You don't give them a name unless they have a, a bigger role to play. Uh, in fact, you don't normally name any character. <laughs> unless they have a role to play like usually when you go out of your way to name a character it's because they have a role to play especially a servant you would think though because they're already like part of the backdrop or whatever especially the way the royals treat servants most of the time they're they're very forgettable in that sense so but she, yeah but she's been allison's maid since before the time jump even like before the 10-year jump this was Sapochnik's wife, Talia, which served as a shield for that greater. It was like, maybe they just gave her a name because it's Miguel Sapochnik's wife. That was one reason to suspect. I was like, oh, okay, that's why they gave her a name, just because she's more important off screen. But no. Depending on how much depending on how much people were sleuthing, it might even explain why she was in a picture on set. Or yeah. 
She's a, she, she's a president she's at a filming producer. location. Oh, she's a producer. She's oh, a producer. oh, yeah. So it's, okay, yeah. so it's totally yeah. s- sends a yeah. false trail. Yeah, so that was yeah, very Alexis clever. Alexis Rabin. Yeah. Um, and I've shared this story I, maybe on the podcast before, but maybe not. But it's really funny to me because I see it in the chat right now that says, is Talia Melisandre? Because a lot of people think oh, that yeah. Alexis Rabin looks a lot like Carice Van Houten, looks mm. a lot like Melisandre. I totally see why people think that. And the she funny does, thing yeah. about that is that at one of the House of the Dragon premieres, Miguel Sapochnik is on the red carpet with a red-haired woman on his arm and all of the all of the like getty images and all of those places tagged it as Carice Van Houten. <laughs> There's Miguel Spotnik on the red carpet with his Carice and I was like, "Why is Carice is at the House of the Dragon premiere with Miguel?" And I'm like, <laughs> I looked into it more and I was like, "Oh, that's just his wife." And they just mislabeled her. <laughs> Uh, but no i don't I, I don't think that there's any connection there it's just a coincidence that his wife looks a lot like her and she does so we get maybe they didn't mislabel her maybe her ruby yeah, yeah. deceived them all maybe she, you know, <laughs> yeah, that ruby is her, powerful what's it called, her charm well she certainly looked yeah. glamorous hey <laughs> Uh, so and it's the red carpet, right? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so this was this was pretty clever. This all worked out the way it played. The meta reasons why this character was concealed. So, but we see her going. We even thought this was Damon because she's wearing the murder cowl, yeah. and we only saw from behind in the in the trailer shot where she's talking to Mazaria. So we're like, oh, Damon's going to reconnect with Mazaria. That makes sense. No, we were wrong. Mm-hmm. This is Talia going to talk to Mazaria, and that is a bombshell. What is? Talia telling Mazaria what secrets have the most impact. It's definitely going to require further thought on our part. We welcome your thoughts, dear listeners, dear watchers. Is she working with Otto again? Is she working with Laris? Some that's be another that would be a, a person to work with. Another like trader of secrets, an intriguer. Um, yeah, what does she know that can be exploited? Obviously, Aegon sleeping around is a big one. Like that's the most related topic here that she, she would had firsthand knowledge of. Uh, so like for example, maybe other people didn't take the tea. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like who else is that other bastards out there? The fact that this, uh, this, it, it, but to me, there's that, and then there's the idea that what what will be told by Talia not being around in the future? Because mm. like if we see that once they Viserys has died, and if they like don't want this new information to get out, right? The idea that they would keep everyone on lockdown and so whether talia could could be the leak or not yeah um is, is significant to me because like if maybe they don't keep talia on lockdown and she goes and tells people that viserys died or something or, or vice versa that's that's something i was wondering about but before this episode i was supposing that you know this idea of possession being high intensity of the law if viserys dies if if he like just don't don't tell anyone you know, he can't keep it secret forever, but he can keep it secret long enough to call the banners from Old Town to get the King's Guard mobilized. Just the initiative to, is huge, yeah. To, right, yeah, to get the fleets, get dragons in the air, whatever it is. And then on his terms, after his preparations, then he can send a raven to whoever he wants. But this Talia or the White Worm, they might let out that Viserys has died. They could get Before. a lot for that secret. That's some valuable information. Yeah. <laughs> you get a dragon egg for that. <laughs> Maybe Missouri will get her egg yeah. after no, no, they, She wants gold. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's really interesting, folks. Very, very um, important uh, development there. One that is hard to figure out where it's going to go. Because in the even if we go by what happens in the book, which we'll, we'll save that for Saturday discussion, 
This is the area where they're most likely to change and add because the intrigue stuff isn't going to make the history books. Like, how would the historians know what backroom deals were made? Most of those will never be known. So the show has to... It wouldn't be realistic if they didn't invent things because, like, what? The history just know? Like, what is this, some all-knowing narrator? Like, that just doesn't fit, so... I, I don't want to be spoiled, but that's a thought that I had that this scene with Diana and uh, Allison, my guess is that wasn't actually in Fire and Blood. Right. It wasn't. And it, but Aegon yeah, having so. kids with his maids was like, and there's a line about him okay. impregnating okay. like two of his servants or something like that. So, but, yeah. But I, I will say it does, you know, again, I don't want to be spoiled. It's kind of fun for me to go through this trying to figure it out, but I can't help but have a certain awareness that a lot of people hate Allison. <laughs> And so <laughs> You're like, if this why? wasn't in Fire and Blood, yeah. then that's not the reason they hate her. So there's got to be something else. She hasn't done something so hate-worthy yet. So. Yeah. Right on, right on. Yeah, it is. that is a kind of an un, an un, although, a difficult part of this. Although, is that people's fully formed opinions are hard to, <laughs> hard to like, yeah. I'll say, separate. Sean, Damon, by the end of the season, oh, I was going to go say, ahead, by go the end of the season, there will be one thing that I, is, there's one thing that Allison does that a lot of people really hate her for that I don't think, I think people like overblow. And like, you so still think it's I, over, I think that's yeah. overblown, and that's a, one of the things people point to. So we'll see how that plays out. So I'm super curious how the audience, the mass audience, will react to this. Um, it's it's unusual to me also because I feel like Damon has done several very hate worthy things, yeah. and people still tend to celebrate him. You know, like I, I still feel like I, my generation <laughs> might be off, but people, eh, Damon did some bad stuff, but I still love him. Christian Cole is the worst human <laughs> I've And I'm like, what I'm seeing on screen does not match I, up. I have a that, theory so. on that. And that I, I, I do think that there is some sexism, some gendered elements to it. But I think the bigger thing than that is um, people don't like righteousness and hypocrisy. And I think that's what they sniff out and, se- and sense or feel, whether right, rightfully or not, in Allison or even in Kristen. Uh, whereas Damon is terrible and owns it and does it. And like, I think people, I, I think people like or respect or uh, whatever. That's, I think the Maybe bigger difference. They don't maybe like, but it's, it, I think they like it more as a character. I think that makes them more likable as characters. Like in real life, yes, that's, yeah. these are bad, but you still prefer the honest criminal, the, the openly honest criminal than the, the one who keeps their it worst deeds under wraps. It depends on the crime. You know, the, the, the person that murders their wife and a, a random guard and who knows how many other, you know, murders, you know, Damon has, yeah. he, he may own up to it, but Kristen's only killed one person. And we're, we're not even exactly sure the, the, the terms of that. There's some chance that that guy des- deserved it, quote unquote. Yeah, not really. Whereas <laughs> we know Damon has murdered several people. Yeah. That did that's not true. deserve it. Yeah, that's true. Right? But that's for sure. And there is not proportionate hate for, for Damon. Yeah. I mean, again, I think it's just that Damon, there's no point in which Damon makes it seem like he was righteous or correct to do that. He just does the thing and we see it. Whereas Alicent and even Kristen, it, it does seem a little bit more portrayed yeah. as them trying to feel righteous. And I think that there's rubs no people the wrong where, way. I think it likes There's no is point. Lot, yeah. yeah. There is no point where Allison is righteous about the person she killed. <laughs> okay, she's I mean, never killed anyone. She hasn't yeah, killed she, a person. Yeah. No. <laughs> doesn't mean she's done nothing wrong. Yeah. I'm not trying to say people should like Kristen and Allison and shouldn't like Damon. I'm just saying it's weird to me how disproportionate it is. Well, here's the and thing. I These are to be explained down the I think line part of that is or sexist well, part of that is this is people still like aren't viewing this as real, right? Like these are characters. Fictionally yeah. speaking, you don't have to judge them to like them. Damon is just more likable as a character. He's more interesting. 
Yeah, I guess. Like, yeah. I just think that's a, that's a big part of it. I think Allison's interesting. Very interesting. She is interesting. And I, yeah. and but she's not as likable. Yeah, and although, I, okay. okay. Two things I'll say there is, is that throughout <laughs> the first half of this season with Emily Carey as Allison, Allison was likable to me. She oh, was yeah, she likeable. was. I agree. I totally agree. Um, and so she, it worked on me. It did not work. There's a, there's a certain portion of the audience that it still did not work on them, and I think it was because of book influence. They can't separate it, whereas I think they might have been more into her but i do yeah. I, I do think that there is also a, a very gendered element to this that we can, i don't think i can ignore that allison i do think she gets more hate than she would in if if, if it was just damon in these shoes i, I just based on yeah, her sex uh, that's fair absolutely. but i don't think that's all of it so if you if you really hate allison i'm not calling you a sexist i'm just saying she gets a disproportionate amount of hate because of that yeah uh, yeah i think that's true and and the other thing about uh about this too is that I think the greens represent things that modern folk find more displeasing. They are the dogmatic ones. They're the so-called righteousness, like you pointed that out. They're but it's hypocrisy. It's they're not more righteous. Uh, so I think these are more relatable negatives. Like murdering people is we're not normally judging people on who they murder in the real world. (laughs) Like all murderers, we kind of throw out the door as far as likable. So like, but but we have to change the. The, our orientation here because they're all murderers or at least willing to order murder or at least willing to do things that lead to people getting killed if you want to give Allison a little more leeway there so it doesn't come down to that it doesn't come down to who they've killed it comes down to how likable they are now I'm not saying this because I like them more I do I do like Damon more than Allison as a character I think just for whatever reason I don't know why <laughs> I don't think he's a better person but I do think he's more entertaining. And to me, ultimately, that I think that is where a lot of people fall on this because this is a story. This is entertaining. It's so good that we make comparisons to the real world. And that's a statement on how good it is. But at the end of the day, it's not real. <laughs> and we we are allowed to judge them on things that we would not judge real people for. I think that gets into I think that's a big part of this. Yeah, and that's, easy. that's a good point that. It isn't that, it doesn't need to be that serious. We can just like a character because we like a character and they, and we, we yeah. smile when they're on screen and they delight us and are so and so. Like, it doesn't have to be a moral, uh, quandary necessarily on whether you like or support a character. Yeah. But it does, a little, it does level, a little bit I, if you then are on Twitter telling everyone that the greens suck or something like that. Then they kind of, they, they kind of turn it into a moral, uh, uh dilemma. Uh, yeah. Which I don't yeah. agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> I mean, I you know, doing media, that. literature, <laughs> film or movie or whatever. It, it, it's part of how we learn or define our morality by, by these presentations of stories mm. and characters and how they behave and what we think about them. It makes sense. People are going to make some moral judgments and, and, but that doesn't mean you can't like on some level, I liked Joffrey, like original, like game of Thrones, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Joffrey Lannister, Joffrey Baratheon. I liked him. He was entertaining. Yeah. He, great character. He made for yeah. tense moments. And, you know, like he was a good element to the story, but it, you know, he was a bad person, but I didn't find a lot of people online. Like, Oh, I love Joffrey. I can't wait for his next episode. You know what I mean? But they like to hate him. Like, people love to hate him, though. Yeah, like, he was yeah, so yeah. hate. But I don't feel like that's what's going on with Damon. I don't feel... Well, he like has like he has positive like qualities. Well, he has positive yeah. qualities, yeah. and he's an adult. So does Allison? Right, but... And there are Allison. A lot of people like Allison. Allison stands out there. Yeah, but if you're... Com- I, I was comparing him to yeah. Joffrey like you did just now. Joffrey does yeah. not have good qualities. Yeah. Okay. None. Yeah. Like, except for his acting skill like you could say i love jack gleason because yeah, wow gleason. he did a great job and yeah. that's always going to be behind it all even as much as you hate joffrey behind it is a really great actor and there's that 
which is of course in play for someone like Damon as well. And Allison. Well, <laughs> Olivia Cooks. One of the elements of this I realized is that people there's like this black versus green thing. And so I think for if for whatever reason you don't like Allison or Kristen, well then you then you must like the blacks or vice versa. But in my opinion, you shouldn't like any of them. They're all bad. <laughs> it's not like one against the other. They're just it's me against both of them. You know, that's a, well, you should only like right Kristen now. Cole. You should only like- <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I think yeah, that's where I think a lot of dis- discussions get confused is where people are confusing like with approve of their yeah. actions uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> right whereas like i like or, victorian but and i always seem to have to i, I find yeah. myself having to say i don't approve of his actions well why i don't know why i bother saying that but i do because like you know i don't approve of his actions yes people don't know like yeah. they don't yeah. know that's why you feel like you have to say it because otherwise we will get yeah. comments that say oh so you he approves of victorian also saying a is better than b is not the same as saying a is good and b is bad that's true, yeah. right? Which a lot of people do kind a of hear that. A and B can both be bad, but among them, one is better than the other. Yeah. So, and right now, I think the greens are better than the blacks, even though I think they're both bad. Yeah. But that my opinion might change. It's already shifting. So. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's that's a fair way to put it. Yeah, and I, and that's why we appreciate your take, Sean, because you have yeah. you, your unsullied takes are very different, and that is good because it would not be as fun if we just all agreed on everything. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on. Uh, so let's talk about the visit. To the bedroom. This was one of the uh, more cart wrenching scenes. There's just a lot going on. You you see the the a lot of different ways that it tugs at your heartstrings. The model we talked about has been untended. There's cobwebs, like you said. There's a rat on. It's like he hasn't. That's a big deal. It's his favorite thing, <laughs> and he hasn't touched it in a long time. It's pretty sad. Um, remember that. Damon is four years younger than Viserys. That's all. <laughs> like, wow, that really doesn't look like it. Does I it? saw a great. It's hard to remember. I saw, I saw a great tweet from my, my, my friend Lenny, who he said, uh, he said, I love the decision to make Viserys age so much, blah blah blah. But even more, do I love the decision to give Damon not a single wrinkle? And then he said, it's like jazz. It's the notes you don't play. And I was like, that is so right. <laughs> you don't play. That's a really good call. Yeah, because we were wondering, like, the things that weren't in this episode were interesting too like there's no Larry Strong in this yeah. one or, or Harold Westerling mm, you know yeah. uh, no Westerling was in this one yeah he yeah was Westerling was but uh... but no but yeah definitely no Larry <laughs> so Damon looks at the thing they're dosing him with he sniffs it very long like he, he sniffs it for like a while and stares at it and they're really making sure to draw your attention to that and it's milk of the poppy. We understand from prior Game of Thrones things that it's basically heroin or morphine. It's very strong. Uh, we've seen other people dosed on it. Um, Doran Martell. Uh, Doran Martell had a, a couple famous lines where, like, I want my wits about me today. I'm not going to drink this right now. There's more that's coming to a future character. Some of y'all knew who I'm talking about. This is actually sort of set up for later as well as much as it is very important now uh so damon is displeased and uncomfortable rainier is sympathetic and curious she comes back for a night visit admits she doesn't want the throne after all this is as it's raining and this is an important setup the the rain going on behind is a kind of a light rain light thunder maybe is meant to foreshadow the storm breaking upon viserys's death as i pointed out on twitter it's also an Easter egg because 
the the rain is a reference to the fact that all of us were crying in this episode <laughs> several different moments during she he, there's some uh he says a very heartbreaking thing here he says he calls her my only child it's like uh <laughs> super sad not like, really his only child <laughs> yeah <laughs> It was a little confusing, uh, but maybe to show, to show he's a little he, confused. Yeah, his only yeah, child yeah. with Emma, I think, yeah. was kind of the yeah. meaning because he's still thinking about Emma all the time. It's the his last words are my love. Like he's he sees her going to join moments, her in the afterlife yeah. and apologize and be with her and yeah. Emma disease. Shush. You gotta be quiet on this subject. I'm already worried about. This. I'm like, we just gotta not talk about this on Saturday. I will cry on stream, <laughs> and I am about to be crying right now when you're talking about that. It's hard. It's hard. So she says, "Look, Dad, like, you want me to be the heir? Defend me." It's like what you've been saying, what we've been saying all season long. Like, do something about it, then, Viserys. Like, yeah, you, you, you demand that everyone obey, but you're not doing anything to facilitate it. But he does. He actually does. He actually steps up. We'll get to that moment in a minute, but. She, he, he apparently hears it in his haze and his fog. It, it sinks in. It registers. And that's, that's great. Like, it was a heroic end for him as, as much as he could have done things before. But first, she meets with Alicent. And it's very diplomatic at first. It's very nice. Like, she's trying. Rainier is trying to be nice. And Alicent's kind of trying back. She doesn't immediately go into acrimony. Rainier hides her scar. She's like, I'm not trying to embarrass you with this. It's, it seemed like a, I'm trying to not let the past be between us. I thought that was a really important moment there. Very symbolic. Damon, on the other hand, is not very friendly in this moment. He's like, you weren't nice enough to greet us. And what's up with all the removing of Targaryen heraldry? He doesn't say the changing of the decor. He's like, why are you removing Targaryen heraldry? Like, that was a very poignant, blunt way to put it. I thought that was important. Do you think he noticed the missing tapestry? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, well, you didn't want to care. You didn't want to see them before. So yeah. <laughs> I didn't think you cared. So <laughs> in the behind the scenes, they point out that Allison has partly trapped, put herself, put the trappings of the faith all around her to make up for that outburst. And the rumors that started people calling her mad and violent because of going after Rainier and Luke at Driftmark. Which Otto told her, yes, the rumors have, have already started. So this was in part to address that. This was like, like any number of famous figures we've seen in the real world celebrities who have some sort of cheating scandal or something awful and they find God all of a sudden. That, I think that's part of why people look at this and are like, this, it's just something to dislike Allison for. Because it's a real world thing. You know, it's, it's, it's a thing that people still do in modern times. And it's very hypocritical. I, I wonder... <laughs> It, I I don't want to take away from the potential of being really hypocritical, but it might be genuine too. She might have this real guilt over having attacked her friend and over her children marrying each other. Like this incest might really bother her and she might be like trying to make up for it. She's like, okay, the, I've done these bad things. I'm part of these bad things. So I'm going to go over the top with other things to make up for it. Let's, I agree let me with be that. religious. Let me pray. Let me, yeah. it, and it would be nice to know maybe if she's also like, I don't know, contributing money to the poor, setting up programs to feed the homeless, or, you know, I don't know if any royal would do anything like that ever. But we see Marjorie uh, Tyrell. That often goes along with religious, finding God, you know, charitable causes like that. But here's the thing that doesn't make it not hypocritical. That's because no. okay. my charge is that it's yeah. hypocritical. It yeah. doesn't mean it's not hypocritical. Like, I, like I, she's yeah. she's for she's blasting this imagery in places that it's not appropriate. It's all about her. Yeah. Like what? Like her shame. Yeah. All of this is just for her shame and her and her bad feelings. That's still hypocritical. Yeah, I mean, I think it is like a, a solid choice politically if she was doing it to yeah. try to like 
keep the faith on her side despite the incest marriage like she could be doing it in that way but i don't think that she is like i don't really think that she's doing it as like politically minded i think she is genuine in that like faith and religion gives her comfort and so she wants to surround herself in it and i but i i guess i'll take that back because i do think there has to be a part of allison that realizes this is good. Like it look, we look good. good this for is real us. politics. Like, yeah, this, this is politics. Part of Otto too. Part of yeah. Otto yes. probably has a hand in this. Uh, right? I think they can both be true, though. I think we yeah. can. There's room for her yeah. to legitimately yeah. feel, take comfort in it. Legitimately feel like, like for example, another aspect here is her her son. She's like, oh, I'm foisting this horrible person on the realm. Maybe a little extra faith will help make up for that. You yeah. know, because <laughs> there's there's three things really. I think there's her guilt about or not, her guilt over Aegon, her guilt over the incest. And her addressing the rumors about her from Driftmark. So, yeah, there are there's room for a lot of different factors here. This covers a lot of bases. Let's put it that way. Um, this doesn't satisfy any of those things for Damon, though. Right. And for example, one thing I do side with her on is Damon is like, look, they're like you're you're dosing him to make all these decisions that he wouldn't have made. I agree with Damon on that. But she says, she counters with, he's in massive, massive pain when he's not dosed. Saying he's in extreme suffering, which I'm like, yeah, that's probably true. Like, that is, yeah, she's, she's probably not making that, that up. Yeah, that is probably yeah. accurate. Yeah. So it's not like they didn't put him in this state in order to take advantage. They're taking advantage of his state, right? Yeah. It's like they didn't make him sick, right? Yeah. Nor are they making him sicker. Um, I don't think. No. It's not clear. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah, no, I, I think she's legitimately just is caring for him and trying to keep keep him from being in pain. And yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think that there's any any political anything politically minded in her drugging him. Yeah, and Rhaenyra addresses that at the Last Supper as well. I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but it's it's kind of relevant. She that's the the heart of her speech when she's toasting Allison. She says. I want to acknowledge that you have cared for my father more than anyone else has. Like you've been by his side, keeping keeping up with his health and all that. And that was heartfelt and true. Like it was at, like, that's true. Like she did do that more than anyone else. And that was just a fact. So uh, I thought it was good. That they acknowledge that. So yeah, that's a little, little, that's a yeah. plus for Allison. It was, like, it was like Rhaenyra looked at her father and what he looked like. And she was like, Oh, this has actually sucked for you. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> you had to sleep with him too. Like, Yikes! Yeah, <laughs> she finally also, gets it. Yeah. I, I just while we're talking talk about that little moment right there, there was like a, a moment where when Viserys shows his face and like Rhaenyra like sees it, and then she makes eye contact with Aegon. It's like one of the only moments that Rhaenyra and Aegon have shared, where she looks at Aegon like, oh, like this is the father that you knew that like you grew up with, and Aegon just like looks down at the table ashamed and or, like self-conscious about i don't know whatever emotions he's feeling he's he's put he's he's kind of not facing it head on yeah that's a really great point Shay. rhaenyra's experience with viserys as a father is vastly different than aegon and aemond and helena's and daron's even yeah as a as and a father even aside from i don't know pressures of being king or allison's treatment of him or you know, whatever all else how many kids would i don't know properly accept their father in that condition yeah you know what i mean like it's a tough thing no matter what or who you are so that's a good point too yeah like it's one of those things that it's hard to understand or sympathize with or empathize with unless you've been in that position uh so Ray, let's talk about the the tree scene rainy's talks to rainier by the old heart tree the old heart tree again pop popping up 
kind of interesting to me that Rainier, that Rainice would choose to spend time at the heart tree, that it would have significance to her. But I, I guess, you know, it's just a, a, any religious symbol like that. Yeah, it's the know. God's wood. It's still, know. you know, it's, it's a, a pretty place, place to look peace. or, or maybe a I, moment of privacy. Yeah. You know, I, I like to, th- I like to fill in the blanks, head cannons, and things like that. And so, like my my thought is that maybe Rainies and Corley shared a lovely moment at the heart tree together at one point, and mm. she was thinking about Corley's in that moment. Like maybe they had a conversation there, like other people have. Rainies grew up here at the Red Keep too. Yeah, and like yeah, so, so like maybe this was her spot when she was a oh, kid. Oh, that's a lovely idea too. Just like Rainier would lie there reading. That like maybe yeah. Rainies spent a lot of time here too. It's just a nice idea. Books maybe. Yeah, yeah. That's see, I like that even more. Uh, maybe she had the same musician playing the same song over and over again too. Yeah. Play it again. Same. Yeah. You know, another thought is in times of, I don't know, desperation, people find or accept or hope for God or any God. You know, maybe mm. she's praying to the old gods and anew for Corliss to come back home safe. That's oh. why I like Victorian. Praise to all the gods. <laughs> <laughs> Offers horrible sacrifices to all the gods. <laughs> all the gods. <laughs> yeah. So no, no horrible sacrifices here. In fact, uh, less sacrifice than last time. Rainier, uh, technically tells the truth when she swears this time before she didn't she had the chance to technically tell the truth but but didn't she swore a false oath to Alicent but this time she says I didn't order Lenor's death I wasn't complicit in Lenor's death I swear to you like technically true yes. <laughs> technically true so uh-huh. that was that was smooth I think not that rain not that Rainey's fully believed her but we yeah. as the audience were like yeah she's telling the truth there so we are. We mostly talked about Rainey's decision here already. How she's like, I can't support you. I can't not. I can't support Vaymond either. I'm gonna wait to see how it plays out, and then it just neither of them predict Viserys coming into the room. So it all just goes I'll different. Say, I'm still really not on board with Rhaenyra and Damon and Laenor not telling Rhaenys and Corlys about Laenor. I'm yeah. really hoping that that changes going forward. I, I thought this was a golden opportunity he, for the tell their truth. It's like actually yeah. he's alive. Yeah. But, uh, I thought I really thought that was going to happen, and with Corley's still being out of commission from the Stepstones, I still have my hope that Corley's found out while he was while he was out of town. He, yeah, he that discovered would be, that would be interesting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, Jason, Luke, we briefly talked about them going to the practice shop. There's a few other little tidbits here. Unlike the interior decor, they remember a lot of it. It's like, oh, it's just how I remember. There's still like the hole in the wall that was there before, so it's kind of a contrast mm-hmm. to the interior. But everyone stares at them, and right, like we, as we said, Jace handles it well, maybe too well, <laughs> and Luke yeah. is uh, a little uncomfortable. And we talked about Amond already, and uh, all the turny stuff. Yeah, so Amond is learning how to kill his own family. <laughs> That's what he's been training for. Uh, okay, so the the dinner. Let's let's get this first. The setup for the dinner. Um, well, not we also have the throne room first, but this gets set up by the scene where Viserys says he wants to have dinner, which brings it all along because he says i'm not gonna have milk with poppy today which enables him to walk into the throne room you can tell how addled he is by otto's answer he's like i want to have supper and otto just expects him to say something out of sorts he's like your grace it's morning he's like i know it's morning (laughs) i'm talking about tonight (laughs) he's like oh my bad i thought you were gonna say something stupid because you're always drugged up so uh, my bad Um, but he needs like all, does this, Sean, did you get the sense that this was like his daily routine? They do this to him like every day. They scrape some flesh off of him and give him all, like a whole team of maesters attending to him while he's groaning in pain just because he's horribly suffering. It's like, oh, this is terrible. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, that in, in the real world, you know, it's a, injuries, diseases, you get treated every day, you know, and they, I would like to think yeah. that they're doing a better job now than they were years ago. And that's why he's lived so long, but they don't actually have microscopes. They don't know about bacteria. They can't, uh, yeah. you know, they can't really figure out a cure them. But, but, I, but it seems like this new maester is doing better than the old one. And that's yeah. probably why he's even lived so long. Agreed. You, yeah. you, you catch that line from Rainier where she says, well, maybe we should bring, maybe we should show Viserys to Maester Girardis. He's in the book. Rainier does uh, have her her maester help Viserys a little, and of course that does not have time. They don't happen uh, here, but yeah. Still. Uh, In the book, when he orders the removal of the tongues of of Vaiman's relatives, he stumbles and cuts his hand really badly, and that prompts the removal of the fingers, which prompts him to get sick. And then Girardis comes and does what Orwell did in the show, which was switch the treatment and it proves to be more effective. So they were kind of nodding to that by having Rhaenyra mention Girardis. Now, by the way, Girardis is a name of one of George's uh, people. Uh, He's also one of the producers. He's one of George's uh, team or friends. Vince Girardis, I think is his name. He's one of the producers and it's spelled without the Y. It's Gerard Mm. I-S instead of Y-S. Yeah, one of George's main producing uh, partners. Little Easter egg there for y'all. So... Let's talk about the actual uh, throne room scene. Yeah, Vayman makes his case. It's pretty intense. Everyone is kind of seems to know how it would go. Remember, we brought that up earlier. That's why Rainey's is like, I can't support you because it doesn't matter. My support will not change this decision. And I may as well not go down with the ship by backing the losers here. So no one expects this. Viserys walks in with his dragon cane. Like you said, Sean, they did not shortcut it. He just hobbles the whole way. It's really moving. The music was added so much to the scene. He's got this really cool dragon cane, and they they remarked that he was holding it a certain way because of his reverence for dragons, but also his fear of dragons. Yeah, like he he, he didn't Hold it he backwards. held it backwards. Yeah, yeah on it's purpose. An interesting choice. So uh, Damon helps him when he's going up the stairs, and his crown falls off. Mm. That wasn't scripted. That's so cool, y'all. Like, it fits so well. It was beautiful. It was like this brotherly love moment. Like, I won't accept help from anyone else but you. It was very like, Khal Drogo won't accept help from anyone. He's like, I, I need help from no man. And Danny's like, well, I'm a woman. And, they didn't, and I was like, okay. This was kind of like that. Like, he didn't want help from his king's guard. He didn't want help. He was like, I'll, I'll accept help from my family. His family's different. So, and puts the crown back on his head. That was just made, great. It made me think of that scene where, where Damon's like talking to Viserys about how, how he would protect him, you know? Yeah. Which is how it could have been. Like, yeah. And that's how it was when they were young. Remember, like, I think you brought this up that Dam- when, when there was a challenge at the Great Council in the book, and Damon, because Damon heard that Corlys was amassing ships and men to back his son Lanor's claim. And so Damon starts hiring sellswords to back Viserys. And it never comes to blows, but that's kind of what Damon always wanted to be, like his brother's sword. Like he's like, I'm your, I'm your weapon. Use me. Like I'm your protector, your sword and your shield. And he got to be that kind of at the end without the, uh, without the, the violence. <laughs> um. Got to be his cane, his shoulder to lean yeah. on. And we forget, like, he couldn't have picked that crown up without setting his cane down. He's only got one hand. Like, yeah. <laughs> so that's, that might have been why Damon was like, he can't pick that up. I'm going to go do this. Let's, let's, this is a good ad lib here. So a good, good, good moment there. I don't know, y'all, but that scene made me cry. 
Yeah, same. And Viserys says, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, beautiful. getting on the throne, and they're so tense, and then Damon, and it's Damon, and his, his looking, struggle. like the soft look in Damon's eyes as he looks at, I don't know, it was, it was, it was so sad. I wonder how many takes that took. Patty's probably like, my back, man, I gotta bend over like an L <laughs> for every take here, and it's like, I'm, I'm, human body isn't meant to work like this. <laughs> it's like, I'm sitting down, really I'm standing it. up. <laughs> I really love this line too. Is like a slight misdirect. He's like, "I must admit, I'm confused." When everyone's kind of thinking he's doped up, he's on drugs, he's yeah. sick, he's old. By why we're even having this meeting when I already told you what I want, <laughs> and I kind of laid down. The Can't law. you see? Like, it's hard for me to get on the throne. Like, why we don't need to be doing things twice when it's this hard for me to get to my seat in the first place. So a worthy end for the master complaints. He said he wanted to go out like standing for what he believed in. This is, again, why you should watch the BTS because Will Johnson's takes are really good here. It's also implied there was a little bit of a grudge here. Damon in the master of complaints moment. He's like, why are we following this guy? Like Damon is the guy that's leading us to ruin. And it wasn't clear whether Damon heard him, but it sounds like he did. It sounds like he had a grudge. They made it. They, they implied very strongly that Damon had a grudge against Vayman for saying that. Say it. <laughs> In Fire and Blood, Damon cuts his head off. So that's kind of similar, as we said. There's the no dragon feeding part, but whatever. Uh, Will Johnson, again, that's the actor who played Vayman, joked about this scene. He's like, all I got to say is, might have gone differently if we were facing each other. He got me from behind. <laughs> then he starts laughing yeah. like, no, nah, actually, I have no match for him. But <laughs> but still. <laughs> so Eamon just stares at the result. Like, he's a little oh. entranced. He's like, maybe approving. He's like, yeah, this is the way to settle this is the, things. This is the reaction. No, look, I just need to put, if you have visuals, make sure you look at the screen. Eamon sees it happen. And then he looks up and he smiles. He's like a little, he just like. <laughs> he's like. We can do that? We can just chop people's heads off? <laughs> really, Uncle Damon? <laughs> He's like, wow, I have more leeway than I think, because I'm pretty much your rank. I'm also the second son, you know? <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, Eamon's yeah. faces were really, really, really good. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if that's uh, some foreshadow. I, I, I feel like Eamon was looking at Damon like, that's a worthy opponent. I'm yeah. going to fight that guy one day. Yeah, yeah I, maybe a little bit of that, too. You're right. Yep. Uh, no, he was like, oh, I love him. <laughs> it's it's very yeah it's very much like the proverbial two like big dudes that don't know each other that see each other and just decide they have to fight each other because they're the largest man in the room and these guys aren't particularly large but their presence is large if yeah. any of y'all saw the show deadwood there's a scene where these two like kind of crime lords like come together and they're they both have like a thug bodyguard second in command guy and the two are like negotiating and the two bodyguards are staring at each other like hating each other for no reason <laughs> and they both just decide that they have to fight and the, the two bosses are like all right if you gotta do it go ahead and fight you know <laughs> and then they have this brutal fight in the street it was not pretty it was super brutal and one of them <laughs> lost an eye so <laughs> that's part of why i thought of it <laughs> <laughs> so anyway yeah I say, in terms of the reactions to the heads being chopped off i yeah. think a very underrated a choice um by the afia saban who plays elena was to not cover her eyes she covered her, cover ears, her yeah. ears yeah i might know to that yeah she turned <laughs> like, around okay let's talk about that now since you're bringing it up because she like, turned around and covered her ears you're right which is a strange thing to do cover your ears but when Viserys takes his mask off at dinner she's totally staring him in the face more than yeah. anyone yeah she's like entranced so yeah. it's like so this is a very interesting character let's let's talk about her more at the dinner scene because that's when she also says yeah. a few things but 
good call. I'm glad you pointed noticed that too because it was odd. It's like, yeah, she turned around and covered her ears. That's <laughs> like it's not like people were screaming. It was just like, <gasps> you know, yeah, that was, was her like, reaction. I loved yeah, it. So very interesting. Uh, a batch of super chats here. You got Lafrenic who says, "R.I.P. Vayman, master of complaints to the very end." Yeah, he was in mid complaint when he died. So yeah, <laughs> truly to the very end. And Damon left his tongue so he could keep complaining even in the afterlife. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Brandel and Price says, do you think Corlys was actually looking for Carl? Uh, I mean, he probably may have had his eyes out for him. Yeah. He's probably like keep uh, wanted posters everywhere, you know, that kind of thing. But I don't think that was his main goal. I think he was trying to clean like this, the triarchy is a serious threat to, to his shipping and his trade. So. I, think, I think he was legitimately doing that, but was also mainly like I, like in addition to there being a legit reason for him to do it him and Rainey's are on the outs and yeah. he, home isn't happy he lost both of his children it's pretty reasonable for him to be like well let me leave yeah uh, so i think it's a, a little bit of him escaping from his problems as well yeah maybe maybe a little too much escape there death is more of an escape than he wanted <laughs> certainly didn't want to suffer on his way out either okay so next question is from ren american aka renegade alliance gaming uh, sends a noob sticker. All right, noob stickers. Yeah, that's Sean. <laughs> who's, Sean's who's, the noob, I Sean. think. Not, not us. <laughs> no, it's for Aegon and Viserys. Little uh, uh, little baby yeah, Aegon, baby Viserys. Like another Aegon. We. <laughs> it's funny that they introduce a new Aegon at the same time they introduce the problem that can come with too many Aegons when you confuse one Aegon <laughs> for another. Oh, okay. And Viserys, who says that's the name. That's a name fit for a king. Which, if Sean, if you caught, if you thought that was a joke and foreshadowing. You were right. <laughs> it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as above, or whoops, uh, I, Howard Williams says, I'd expect Rhaenyra's kids, bastard or not, would know Valyrian as a first language. Could have been cool juxtaposition to Allison's kids not speaking. Yeah, they would have at least learned the dragon commands, but I don't know if they've learned like full high Valyrian like the other kids do. That's true. That That is interesting. Um, I don't know about learning it as a first language because like even Rhaenyra and Daemon don't speak it as their first language, but they do speak it a lot. Um, so maybe. As above, so below says, did she poison the nanny? I don't think so. Yeah, okay, I wanted to bring that up because we had a lot of people in the chat asking about that. I really didn't get that impression at all that, uh, uh, um, I really did not get that impression at all that Allison would have murdered that maid right there, that, that, it, but. A lot of people said that. I don't think so. I think it was just the tea. Yeah, I don't think there's any reason to poison her. Like, I, I think like, like, if you're going to do that. I don't think so either. Could, I, Why would she give her the money? Yeah, exactly. And then poison exactly. her. There's no yeah, reason to give like, her the money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyways. I don't think Allison is that murderous. I don't think it makes sense for her to give her the money. Uh, we do know the tea is meant to abort the baby. That is, I, I mean, I guess I could see why some people might have thought that, but I just don't think so at all. Yes, I think I think there's also why she she wouldn't bother to intimidate her into silence either if she's just going to kill her. Yeah. 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 I, I could see maybe giving her the money would be to, to make her think she's going to let her go and to not think this is poison, but that's pretty thin. Yeah. What's she going to do? Run into the hallway? Yeah, like she can't escape anyway. She's pretty trapped. She just forced her to have an abortion and did not give her a choice in the matter. Oh, just right. did that. Yeah. No big deal. That's yeah, all. That's yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is better than murdering her, I, I, I guess. I, yeah, definitely. it is. So the Last Supper, let's talk about that. The w This is what they were aiming for. Like I said, that they were specifically trying to frame it like the Last Supper from the Bible. Uh, there's the really famous shot uh, from book Fire and Blood, which shows Rainier and Allison side by side, uh, the blacks and greens right before the infighting begins. This is a great Doug Wheatley art that was 
kind of uh, yeah. mimicked here, I suppose. I've got uh, some great uh, comparison of it here. Here we go. That's up on screen. There it is in the book version. And you can see the, the show version on top. Yeah, Pretty on cool. On bottom, technically. And on bottom. Oh, top but and bottom. The top bottom. is them before. Oh, that's they when they were younger. Okay, they were right younger, on. Yeah, and then so the three versions. That's very cool. Nice. Very mm. nice. Very nice. With the pig. Literally, they ah, the actually had the pig at I this dinner. I did not catch that. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, <laughs> they used the pig for, as more of a plot device than the book did. <laughs> yeah, so that's really cool. And there's a mirror image shot as well that, that happens during the episode where they show the green side of the table and the black side of the table. And it's really well done because on both sides have an Eric and an Arik. So it's really mirror image. <laughs> Each side, Eric and Arik. Nice. And yes, it's it's, it's funny because you have the two couples on one side. You have, you know, Aegon and Helena. And then on the other side, the mirror image couple of Jace and Bela. And <laughs> then uh, Luke facing, against, looking at uh, Aemon, which was a terrible decision. <laughs> whoever placed that table to have Luke and Aemon staring at each other the whole way through. <laughs> Yeah, that was, and Reyna too. Yeah. We know Reyna does not like Aemond either. So. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so, uh, dinner speech by Viserys. Very moving. His face is just, ooh, it's pretty gnarly. Uh, uh, I've seen a lot of people use the phrase gnarly <laughs> for that face. They had to do a lot of work to get that to work, like, uh, from filming. Like, he's wearing, like, green patches on his face for green screening the effects on later. It's really kind of strange. He looked, in makeup, he looked a different kind of gnarly. Uh, he bangs his cane for emphasis when speaking on the important points, which I thought was like an interesting, like the war drums in a sense, because the device is repeated by Jason Amond when they get mad before like Jace bangs the table and everyone's like, what? And then he stands up and he calms down. He's like, there's a little fist. Yeah. Punch. He's like, ah, his little punches brother, on that was, so funny. was really good. Like, I really want to know. Who came up with that character decision to have Jace do that? Was that an actor decision? Was that a director decision? Because it was really good. Yeah, it, it felt I like a modern gesture, but not in a way that I call, would call anachronistic. It was great. I thought it was perfect, too. Yeah. Oh, you. Yeah. Yeah, oh, you. And then Eamon does it when he's mad. He bangs the table and does his strong toast. Yeah, you know, people make fun of the, the blacks, uh, the children, uh, Jace and Luke, for, for not having a lot of personality next to the greens. But I think their personality really started to come out here finally. Yeah. That we, we can say that Jace is a little as a gentleman. And uh, a little bit more serious sometimes. He, you know, he certainly takes insults seriously. Yeah, he takes them a little more seriously, <laughs> but he can calm himself down. He yeah. tries hard. Like they're maybe not as as exciting or glamorous or funny as the traits that we see from Aemond or Helena or Aegon, but he has a personality now. Yeah, mm -hmm. they they didn't necessarily before. You're right. Like they were just kind of like Le Luke did have a little bit of the the prankster in him, but there wasn't that much and. Yeah, and with the actors changing, it's harder to like kind yeah, of. Yeah, and so for get, me here, I feel like of the kids, I have the least personality now for Bela. Like I feel like she's the biggest question mark for me. Like I feel like I know Reyna, Luke, Jaceres, Aemon, like all of them. I can say a little something about them. I don't think I can say a whole lot about Bela as a character yet. So I'm really excited to finally see some of her personality. Right on. Yeah, I think I agree with that. <laughs> And of course, we don't know Daron at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's the even more unknown. We don't even know what he looks like. Yeah, super uh, unknown. So the way I thought Viserys did something he didn't normally do, which really changed the dynamic of his speech, which made it work in ways that it didn't before. Before he yelled at them, he demanded peace. He forced unity. This was a plea 
using his own pain, showing how much it meant to him that he was willing to suffer massive agony just to have this moment with them and just to show how important it was. He didn't, for once, he did demonstrate how much it meant to him rather than saying it, even though it was all words, but there was so much behind it. And that's what taking his mask off really demonstrated that, showing just how intense his suffering is. And yet, despite the, that in what must be overwhelming suffering, he shunned the drugs to experience this moment to have his family together as as fragile as that is. It was so moving. I mean, so, it moved them. It moved us. It was incredible. Question. This was for me the second time I cried in the episode was when Viserys is kind of hazy from pain and the music's playing and Jace and Helena are dancing and it's just like what could have been and even Otto smiling and clapping and all that. And now I'm just like, it just made me cry. So uh, poll for the audience. Did you cry for the scene too? Cause I cried three times in this episode. I certainly did. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I think I cried, I actually cried four times. Cause I also cried for Rainies when she was in the talking about all of her losses. Oh yeah. Um, that was a good one. But three, I cried three times for Viserys and once for Rainies actually. I wasn't counting, but the music got me several times. It's usually the, the music combined with the emotion that gets yeah. me. Usually one or the other isn't enough, but phew, they just they just meshed so well. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> man, Viserys, if he had just put his foot down and had Jace and Helena get married, maybe things still would have gone south. We really can't say, but there's a world in which that worked. Yeah, like, it, it, it could have worked. Let me let me come back to that moment in a sec, Sean. What did you what What do you have to say about the speech? I, I'm agreeing with everything you guys are saying. I, I, a couple thoughts that I have are one the you wonder if if Luke hadn't kind of giggled when the pig came up in front of Amon, if maybe Amon wouldn't have made that move and then things wouldn't have broken down. But I, I, I make this point a million times. It, it's just inevitable. That happened to be the moment there, but it was going to happen anyway. Yeah. You know, if if Arya didn't come, if if uh, Joffrey and Sansa didn't come up on Arya and Micah, you know what I mean? It's not like everything would have been fine. Yeah. Right? Like there would be some other moment where Joffrey's still a jerk. Arya's still rebellious. Or yeah. Those conflicts are still going to end up happening. Maybe it's a little bit different here because they aren't going to be there for that long for it to happen. But every time these kids gather, there's a fight, right? Every yeah. single time, <laughs> yeah. no matter the occasion, they just every time. Yeah. <laughs> that was another thought that I had that I possibly could still play out in this next episode i i'm curious about where exactly the next episode will pick up if it's going to be like an immediate moment after viserys dying or if we're going to skip forward two weeks or something but um but sending the kids kids go to your chambers i don't think you need to do not let those kids out of your sight yeah <laughs> that's not what happened last time you sent them to your chambers they <laughs> were just gonna go fight them lost an eye yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there's secret anyway, passageways uh, in those chambers <laughs> Yeah. get out <laughs> yeah. my other thought and and this is you know maybe like uh, maybe it wouldn't have mattered maybe it's not important at this moment but i still wish what, what i really wanted while viserys was making this sort of appeal you know mm. like not even as king you know, never mind my authority that you don't respect anyway but you know just as as your father and your husband you know but i i wish he had added on top of that because to me what's at least as important as all that stuff is the people of this realm don't start a war that's going to get your loyal subjects killed. You know what I mean? Like no one seems to have any concern for what the 
effects of a war are going to have on the people of this land, who is what their actual responsibility should be, yeah. not their personal passions or vendettas or levels of power or whatever else, all those things, in my opinion, especially if you're going to like just get to be king because you were born, right? And then <laughs> not have to earn it through an election or through some skill or anything else. You have to have this responsibility for the people. That's what it means to be king, you know? And I, I wish Viserys had called on that. Yeah. Not that that would have had any effect <laughs> that on Aemon. That Aegon, would have been but. out of character for him to do that only as in yeah. his last moments. I mean, this is how he's been all his life. Yeah. He's never put a lot of thought I'm into I'm not that. upset with the writers for not doing that. I'm oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. You're, Viserys yeah. for not having done that all along. Yeah, yeah. anyway. <laughs> So other toasts. Uh, Helena has a toast. Um, she is no uh, shout out to Chloe. Girls Gun Cannon pointed out that she's dressed like young Rhaenyra in the scene. The same very similar golden dress. Her toast is marriage isn't so bad. He mostly ignores you except when he's drunk. It's like to her, that's what marriage is because that's what her marriage is like. I, You know, I had a thought on this. I, I wondered when I first saw that scene, I took it as being prophetic. Like she had seen a vision of their marriage the future of her, the, that marriage. And she was telling her what it's going to be like. Yeah. He's mostly going to ignore you. Uh, I don't necessarily think that's, that's the case, it, but that yeah. was my first instinct. That yeah, well, moment. you didn't, you weren't I, clear that they even had, sh that they were even married at this point, right? It, yeah. I, on my are, first yeah. watch, I hadn't pieced together yet that uh, Helena and Aegon were married. Yeah. So it, it, it made a little more sense when I started. Yeah. So, she, so now you think it's just, she's just describing her own marriage, right? Yeah, okay. especially watching it again the way they cut to Aegon and she's saying it, he kind of like slumps down yeah, a little bit. Yeah. You know, like it's a little more clear that's what they were trying to say. So uh, several people have mentioned. I've seen this mentioned on Twitter. There's apparently people in the comments mentioning it now that maybe she's autistic. The, the the ear covering thing apparently is a sign of that. I'm not clear on why, but that's I'm seeing multiple people say that. Is that a thing autistic people do? Yeah, I, I have also seen many people say that that isn't a a. Uh, a tick or whatever a thing that autistic people are more likely to do so that if we've already been saying that helena huh. shows traits of being you know neurodivergent in her in the in the idea that she has these prophetic dreams that 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 is a neurodivergent thing in and of itself is to hmm. be like dealing with that so i don't think it's a real stretch to think that they might have when scripting or when writing her looked at real world occurrences and taken and mind that in choosing these character decisions like i don't know that they're saying helena is autistic exactly but i do think that they looked at what people that would be similar to her in the real world would would be like and maybe mind that mix in the dragon dreams with a real world autistic person yeah i think i yeah. kind of seem to remember actually in uh, the movie rain man they portrayed him covering his ears a yeah. few times and then and and upset. and yeah, I think you're right. And we yeah. do hear about one of Helena's daughters um, that she seems a little, uh, a little neurodivergent, a little different. Um, and so, if just runs in the family kind of thing, potentially, yeah. if they actually show that on screen. But uh, yeah, in the book, Sean, she has twins and then a son, and we're not, we're not sure they've pre preserved that. Probably has. So we'll just children. assume until we, we know, know otherwise. She has multiple children. Until, yeah. until otherwise, we'll assume she has the same kid she has in the book, which is twins, Jaharis and Jahara, and a son named Maylor, who was born like three years later. So he would be very young now, and Jaharis and Jahara would be like four or five, maybe. They would have been born pretty quickly after the wedding. Um, but uh, Jaharis has six fingers on one hand and six fingers on both toes, and Jahara mm -hmm. is like something's wrong with her she doesn't laugh she doesn't cry like even as a baby so something's just mm -hmm. a little off and of course because she's just a baby it's hard to i mean she's so young it's it's hard to tell what that 
get a full diagnosis, especially in this from a history book. <laughs> Fire and Blood isn't going <laughs> to have great detail on that necessarily. So, yeah, so that's just something to keep in mind. I'd like to point out uh, when Helena gives her a little speech there. There's a moment that a lot of people in the chat have highlighted and I've seen on Twitter and stuff like that is that she gives her little speech which is very sad really. Um, yeah, yeah. But still Helena's speaking and Otto like has like a smile and he goes good. You know like he's like yeah. proud of her for speaking but also there's like a dark tone to it because like she's literally talking about her husband like being like, a bad husband. Yeah. Like being a bad <laughs> husband and, and he's good. He was just good. proud of her for speaking yeah, or being brave for, or, or... She, she you know that was a pretty good thing for her to do like to recognize the other women at the table who are getting married like that was a uh, like something Allison would have been raised to do but Helena doesn't quite have the same social graces to not say that it's not so bad or he only touches you when he's drunk thing like Allison would have known better than to say that but Helena doesn't so uh, <laughs> yeah it was kind of a kind of as scummy as Otto often is that was a nice moment for him he was being supportive of his granddaughter there in a in a very just you know Oh, I see. George. Um, what? I was going to say, George Hutto pointed out that um, House of the Dragon just posted the, the updated family tree um, mm. on Twitter um, for the House of the Dragon guide. Oh. And there's Jaharis and Jahari and Jaharis and Jahara, no Maelor yet. So oh. either she doesn't have the third kid or she's pregnant right now or is about to be pregnant, perhaps. It's funny because I thought she was pregnant during the episode. And then I was like, no, she's not. Because I, I just the way she was standing earlier, I was like, oh, is she pregnant? Maybe that's Maelor. And then. Later in the episode, I was like, oh, she's not pregnant. But, I mean, not obviously so. I just was mistaken. But now, maybe she is. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Because uh, <laughs> for Maylor to come out. She was drinking. And, uh, well, they don't know. care. They don't care about that. They don't know about yeah. fetal alcohol syndrome. All of them have always yeah. been drinking when they've been pregnant. <laughs> she's not alone there. Uh, but, anyway, um, her comment, her Beware the beast beneath the boards. That one's been floating around social media, every message board, all Twitter, all Facebook. No one's got a good answer for this. People are just saying maybe it's another reference to blood and cheese. That's not satisfying. I don't see that. That doesn't work to me. For one thing, boards, the, there's, this is a castle. It's all stone floors. There's no floorboards. Like, what are the boards? I don't know. Yeah, so I'm very confused by this line. There... So uh, uh, first, I want to point out I've been avoiding that because I don't want. I, I was scared it meant something that everyone knew and it might get talked about. So I haven't. You, looked you don't, ha don't have to worry. No exactly one's figured it out as far as I know. No, you're exactly correct, also, Sean. To not click on a single thread if they ask about okay. this prophecy <laughs> or any Helena prophecy, people will guaranteed just yeah. say a spoiler for the yeah. books yeah. in there. So don't. don't I've click. also seen the phrase "fire and cheese" a few blood times, and, and I'm also <laughs> fire okay, and blood cheese. and cheese. <laughs> that I'm also avoiding because I'm scared it might let me know something. Yeah. But if I could, my, my, my thoughts were the boards, she might be, you know, how prophecies go. She might be speaking symbolically, like the boards might just mean the floor, whether it's actually made of wood or yeah, not. Yeah, but no, but Sean, that, well, hold maybe, on, let me back you up there. There aren't okay. floorboards like anywhere. I mean, there's not a second floor to the castle. It's stone. A, it's stone. There's yeah. like basically yeah. no floor, guess, like well, like shipboards maybe, but like I don't, it's yeah. a, it's a huge stretch, I think. There's, there's like almost nowhere has floorboards. Well, like, but for example, are all the rats crawling over stone walls to get inside? Is there yeah, no there's way underneath and... where so many wood beams or something? Like, I mean, there could I'm be. Sure, there I'm are sure wood beams. Some woodwork yeah. somewhere, but that doesn't necessarily mean there's boards. Yeah, there's but definitely woodwork, the other, but there's not necessarily boards. Yes, but one mm -hmm. with the other, but it may have nothing to do with the floors of the floor of a castle. It it could still be symbolic. But anyway, sorry. What I'm really trying to get out. I wonder if she's talking about like a Trojan horse. I wonder if at mm. some point. Some I don't know. She said beast. I don't know. I I also wonder if maybe it could be Loris if he's a beast. Like, but beneath the boards could still just symbolically mean 
behind the scenes or under the floor in the basement, even if there's not any wood floor in this castle. Well, that would make, but that would make the euphemism, but that would make the euphemism anachronistic, though. It would still not be very sensical to use it that way. So I'm, I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong. She doesn't know what a Trojan horse is. I'm not saying you're wrong because I don't know what the answer is, but I'm, I'm skeptical that that would be it. I think, I think Helena spent a lot, a lot too much time on like forum message boards. (laughs) And she's like, where are the beats? Trolls beneath the board. Message board trolls, yes. She knew, she knew. She's saying, don't read about anything about blood and cheese, but where are the trolls spoiling things, Sean? She's looking out for you. But no, I, I had a tweet where I asked people what they thought about it, and it was like a lot of people who said blood and cheese, or who said Laris, or who said rats, or who's like, there's a lot of answers. It was not unanimous, yeah, like I thought it might beast. be. Yeah, um, I, my favorite was someone who replied, it was a very popular reply to the tweet that uh, they said she was talking about Aegon's boner. Ah! <laughs> yeah, she would be a little uh, not pl- not interested <laughs> in that so much, probably. Maybe not. Uh, probably not. maybe the boards of his ship beneath the boards, I, like the lower decks of his ship. I, I did say that when you when just now. Uh, that is because that is where there would be boards. Uh, they still wouldn't be called floorboards, yeah. but that's still a weird thing to call them. But I it's something. Will say I'm not as confident as you are that there are no floorboards in the Red Keeper in the castle. I, I'm, I'm just going to throw that out there. You seem very confident on it. I'm not as confident that that wouldn't exist at no, all. I'm I'm pretty sure wood floors are not a thing. Okay, yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm just really not actually sure. So I just want to yeah. be on the record that I'm not of the same mind of you. Is like I I, right. I don't know. I don't know. I guess I'm glad that I didn't miss something obvious. I even went back and tried to clarify if she said board or boards, beast or beast. Like I, you know, I wanted to make sure I, was I do see people coming at it from the right way. But I see someone here. Dean Brown says most castle walls are stone, but the floors would be timber. Otherwise, those things are far too heavy. So again, I just don't know for sure what, what how about the construction of all castles. Yeah, I could be wrong. I, I don't. But I, even if they were stone, they wouldn't be floorboards. They would be beams. They'd be long. Yeah, yeah like okay, still yeah, like yeah. boards are a modern construction floorboards anyway anyway i could be wrong it could be anachronistic maybe maybe it's not as far off as i think maybe it works but right now given what we know i'm gonna say that doesn't work but uh baseboard is a thing in this in this world there are baseboards but beneath the baseboard doesn't really make sense that much because even if we suddenly knew it was definitely the floors of the castle that doesn't mean we suddenly understand what she meant with that statement right it still wouldn't tell us yeah (laughs) you're right so (laughs) well my maybe it'll surprise us later like oh the boy it's very poetic beware the beast beneath the boards it's very like it's got a rhythm to it right and alliteration she's getting more and more like patch face like patch face is an autistic he had an injury that caused him to be like this but it's very similar to in that they're both these characters are saying prophetic things and no one is recognizing them as prophetic even possibly themselves yeah, for, <laughs> was it Uzi's that made the joke uh that we, we referred to uh we've got helena is like patch face and amon is eye patch face <laughs> you, i don't know it was someone else who made a joke about that so i'm just taking it again yeah, I guess uh, thinking about it more, you know, the upper that does make that is a good. Like, point a lot of people saying stone floors would be too heavy. Yeah, for uh, the upper levels, you're right. That uh, doesn't make a lot of sense. I guess they would have to be wood. Yeah. Okay, so maybe you're just yeah. wrong there, and I there are actually. Like, well, I'm still not wrong about them being floorboards. They would not be floorboards. I'm adamant about that. They could okay. be wood, but they wouldn't be floorboards. Maybe they okay. called them that though. I don't know yeah. that they didn't call them that. Okay. Maybe the word floorboard is. We might have to do a little research before Saturday, and we'll have yeah. an answer for y'all. Like maybe there is just like, an easy answer if we look up like yeah. ca- like stuff about castle construction. We might might just have an answer. I'm you. breaking my own uh, rule and debating something that we could just look up. I so, know, yeah, yeah let's exactly. Not so let's that. not debate it anymore because we can look it up. Um, but it, it, I, I, it does seem to me that you aren't just 
instantly correct here. We, yeah, we'll yeah. I, I should I should back down at least a little bit. Yeah, you should back down. Uh, <laughs> okay, so let's talk. Uh, speaking of backing down, uh, Rainier <laughs> and Allison make up somewhat. It's very moving. Like Al- Rainier has her great toast, and Allison fires back very diplomatically and positively. You'll make a fine queen. Otto flinches at that, but only a little. He's like. <laughs> Just a little like, whoa, what? We had a I mean, plan here, daughter. Yeah. Like, are you just off this one speech? You're changing your mind? What the hell? Yeah, I mean, Anna's been in <laughs> yes. that boat this yes, whole time. Yeah, where he's yeah. like, Allison is is not, <laughs> is a loose cannon on that front. He knows that he, he can't risk that. Like, she really could just flip on him. So there's, a, there's an undertone for Allison's children here that I think maybe a lot of people missed. Is they're kind of getting embarrassed here by nothing Luke and Jace are doing. I mean, they, they're also is something that embarrasses them that gets done. But early on, they're just second fiddle and it's being very emphasized how they're second fiddle in the scene. And it isn't necessarily made clear. Viserys is praising their marriage to their cousins, praising their, their position in the line of succession. Like, ah, Jace, you'll be king. Luke, you'll be lord of Driftmark. Aegon, Aemon, you'll be, uh, nothing. <laughs> you know, he doesn't say that, but that is the subtext. Handing them new wives that are going to solidify their role yeah, as well, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah, Eamon doesn't even have a wife, but uh, Aegon does, and it's his own sister. Uh, so his wife is Vagar. His wife is Vagar. <laughs> so, so that's I think part of the. So I think that's part of what Aegon is feeling when he tries to one up Jace with the with the masculinity thing. He's like talking about how you haven't been with women because he's feeling. A chip on his shoulder about Jace being the one who's actually getting the crown. And it's this whole deny. It's, it's Serve Aemond all over again, where uh, he, Aemond, Aemond and Aegon have to put up with this kind of ridiculous denial that everyone's participating in that from their perspective is uh, a f- more offensive than to most because they're the ones most affected by it, again, from their perspective. So they're kind of not as likely to accept the denial, not as likely to take the toasts as kindly. For example, when Jace does his toast, when he recovers from his anger, does his toast, Aegon and Aemon do not drink <laughs> to that toast. <laughs> They're like, notably do not drink. That's a device that's been used in other moments too. Yeah. Someone making a toast and uh, do, was it, was it in Dunkin' Egg where someone spilled the drink out even rather than drink the toast? Uh, yes, definitely. Yes. In uh, uh yeah, it's um, what's his face? The non the non bastard of Fireball who thinks he's the bastard Fireball. Uh, what's that guy's name? Can't believe Glendon. Glendon Ball. Yeah, Glendon. Yeah, sort of Ball. Glendon Flowers slash Ball. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, I like him. But yeah, he's uh, he's a good example of that. Plus, um, at uh, the scene at Dorne when. Doran's giving his speech. Oh, that's right. And Arya Hota yep. takes very careful notice of who drinks and who doesn't. And what's your name? Obara fills it to the brim and then just dumps it all out. <laughs> He's like, yeah. make sure it's fully filled so she can maximize her moment of <laughs> that. Yeah. So, so that's really important that the, the Jason Luke are, they're not the instigators at first, but there is a subtext of them being like leveled up. Like they're put above their uncles who are both older and their uncles know they're more technically more trueborn. They're more Targaryen. They look more Targaryen. So yeah, we know father, we know, you know, <laughs> just look at them. So that's, that's coming back around here. And Vaman's shade is over it all. Cause it's, he, he made the same points that they want to make that they can't make. And Alicent even toasted Vaman <laughs> at the beginning of the dinner. And Damon was like, all right, I guess, that's a thing. <laughs> He's like, I guess you got to say that. Uh, 
Yeah, you know, thank you. <laughs> it was a prayer. She made a <laughs> she prayer. Did, at the she beginning. did. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Shay, you referenced this earlier. Very bittersweet. There's that when music changes and it's very happy. It's like the what could have been. This is what I cited as one of my favorite moments. The three seconds when it all seemed like a sitcom. And they were all just happy, go lucky. Even Otto was doing like a little clap. Like it was so happy for just a second. But it's really from Viserys' point of view. And you mentioned like this could have been if Allison or if, if Jace and Helena really did get married. But instead it's the dance of the dragons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like the little silly dance they're doing too. Yeah, she hopped. That was so well done. Yeah. Like Jace was trying to one up Aegon with their masculine game. Like who's more man than the other? And Helena just pivots to pure joy and he's like well i'm not okay we're dancing i'm not this is not (laughs) going the way i expected but it's a happy moment so that was that was just like a she rose above their she taught them like she's the neurodivergent one who's not all not all there or whatever yeah Um, yeah no she uh but she just showed them what's right yeah it was jace you know he was trying to stick it to egg on there and instead he just made someone happy yeah (laughs) yeah. he just made her happy she wanted someone to date like yeah she started hopping it was so like childlike and just happy like that smile on her face yeah interesting too that egg just didn't really care anyway he was like right like first he got mad he's like (laughs) "Eh, whatever he just like like, i should be mad i don't care He's like, I don't want to dance with Helena. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was more confused. He's like, yeah, see, that's what she see, that's what she does. Like, yeah. <laughs> he, he kind of he would look down on that, but Jace was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, even Aegon starts clapping. Apparently, like he's like, all right, this is cool. Like, there's no flirting going on here. <laughs> so yeah, just then and then at the end of the like the happy what could have been moment, Viserys just. It's like the pain of what could have been overwhelms him and he has to leave. It's been, it's too much. It's like the, the, what could have been overwhelms him to the point where he has to leave, but also he's just overwhelmed with regular pain, regular physical pain. Interesting moment. I don't think they intended this because they did not talk about it in the behind the scenes at all. His golden mask. Think of it as a, as a parallel to, Danny's Viserys, who gets golden mask dumped on his head. Oh, and man, he, I can't believe he that dies. Me. Yeah, and it didn't. The showrunners didn't mention that at all as a parallel. I mean, maybe they just it could, it could have been an accident because they just didn't. I think it comes down over his face like that too. Kind of comes down over one side. If yeah, I remember correctly, it made me think of it for sure. So, especially because yeah. especially because Viserys, when he looks at little baby Viserys, and he, he's like, "Oh, a name fit for a king." Remember yeah. the, the line for when Viserys gets crowned is you know like a crown fit for a king or whatever. He yeah. would have been Viserys the third if he had become the king. That Viserys, Danny's yeah. Viserys, would have been Viserys the third. So there is another Viserys king. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, so yeah it is a very kingly name. <laughs> yeah. So with him gone, the real, the f- metaphorical masks fall off. The the kids who were behaving, it's, it is mostly the young men here that that were behaving or barely keeping it together, start to care less about <laughs> behaving once Viserys is gone. The pig in front of Aemon thing, yeah. Luca giggles. I would laugh too. That's. <laughs> I, how, I mean, how do you look at this image and like the last one of the last things you remember for your your her uncle is this pig thing? Like, I would laugh. <laughs> Luke giggles. Eamon gets mad. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't appreciate. He doesn't like being laughed at. Apparently, he's a, he's more of a serious man. Also, someone not to mess with. Apparently, so I notice he's got a bit of a. If y'all have watched The Witcher, he's got a bit of a Henry Cavill's TV show version, season season one at least of 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 The Witcher, where he just just goes. Mm to things <laughs> okay which is because Eamon does it like three or four times in this episode he goes mm. 
<laughs> and one of them is when he's facing down Damon, and he turns his head away when they're basically a mirror looking at each other, like the Spider-Man meme, like, "Hey, you're you're a younger <laughs> me." He's like, "Hey, you're an old you're a, you're an older me," you know. And they're looking at each other. That's that's one of the mm's. He goes, <clears throat> and then walks off <laughs> and leaves, you know. <laughs> so. And Allison's like trying to stop him though. She's like, why would you say that? You know, he's like, what? I'm just complimenting their strength. <laughs> and it, it's, I think it's meant to see that the greens are more physically dominant here in this scene because both of them just completely dominate their other. Jace goes after Amond, punches him in the face and Amond just kind of laughs it off and one handed shoves him to the ground, like completely physically dominates him. Even though Jace is, I think older. A little bit older, I think, mm. or about the same age. No, no, he's no, yeah, he's yeah, about the same age, right? Little, I think they're yeah. about the same age. Probably. And Aegon is a little bit older, and Aegon just slams Luke's head into the table, no problem. Um, and then mm. it just it, it stops because then Damon stands up and is like, "Ahem," you know, <laughs> they're like, "Oh yeah, a real <laughs> killer's in the room." <laughs> uh, but but it, uh, definitely foreshadowing to see that the Greens kind of dominated that physical confrontation at least at first. <laughs> Remember, we cited this at the beginning. While Aegon, while Jace is learning how to speak High Valyrian and rule like a king, Aemon's at the practice yard learning how to kill, and Aegon's just I don't know. He's drinking. <laughs> and, and yeah, I, I had a thought. By the way, I thought it was an odd casting choice to have a taller actor be. Amon, who's the younger brother, and I, in my mind, I was like, well, I don't know, maybe they just got the best actor, and they removed the confusion by having the eye patch or whatever. But I realized it also kind of makes sense um, if if what they want to do, which it seems like, is demonstrate that Amon is just become a, a more superior son, if you will. He's taller, he's stronger, he's smarter, he's more passionate, whatever it is. Like Amon is just, or Aegon seems pretty crappy in almost everywhere. Amon maybe doesn't have the best morality, but he, on the surface at least, seems superior in many ways. And I think that might be what they're trying to convey, that he's going to be more formidable when it comes to blows, you know? Hmm. That makes sense. Which yeah. he certainly was in this scene. So. Yeah. I like uh, Vivian Darkbloom points out, as Aegon's drinking is messing up with his looks. Amon's got moisturizer and he's got this glow going. You know, he takes care of himself. First of all, Aegon does, he looks haggard. He's got dark circles under his eyes. And, yeah. Like, that's what time. drinking like that does to you. He's constantly hung over. He's yeah. just like, yeah. yeah he, he was hung over in that scene. Yeah, yeah. he's meant to look like that for sure. So uh, Allison and Rhaenyra reaffirm their bridge building that they had began in this episode it's it's kind of trying to hang on to those good vibes and Rhaenyra says yeah I gotta take the kids home because you just saw what happened they just fight every time we bring them together but I'll be back on Dragonback hmm, back on Dragonback mm. eh hmm. <laughs> that mm. could be ominous why coming back on Dragonback with what in mind <laughs> but um, when she said it I think she meant I'll be right back yes, I'll fly back did. like we're having a good moment it sucks we have to interrupt it but I gotta take the kids home but I'll be back because I want to continue this she didn't that's, mean that's it to be thinking. ominous but it could be interpreted that right. way yes yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay so some comments here looks like I was wrong yeah. Urias Tosh says Aziz is way off on his castle architecture there were floorboards in ancient castles much like modern wood floors different cuts of wood size patterns the general grievous 19 says medieval castles had floorboards windsor castle apparently had them since the 11th century okay yeah. and, but then wrong. I, so that's fine that's wrong <laughs> but this is where i want to really highlight um, yeah this this next comment Brandilyn is really price is really good it's really good um Brandilyn price says 
nor eat at my board in quotes is a reference in a song of ice and fire it's talking about not letting someone eat at your table and oh, then the and then table. they and then they quote the big black steel axe that Mormont had given him is a guest gift. No, he growled. You'll not sit. No one who calls me niggard will sleep beneath my roof nor eat at my board. And here we have literally like table. At, they're sitting at a supper table right then. Beware the beast, beast beneath the board. So the word table might be the difference. They don't call it a table back then. Maybe they, yeah, they might. They word. might. Or maybe use, they just have multiple uses. But yes, yeah, so we board. should maybe be looking at good table call, and y'all. Dinner. Again, the chat uh, comes through for us. That is an excellent call. Mm-hmm. So yes, yeah, so she if she's referring to the table, well. What's under the, what's under the table? In what's, this very dinner, we do see the beast beneath the boards of the table. Like we literally see that in this scene, the fight of them fighting. Okay. Like I, I don't know that that's what it's referring to right there, but right after she says that, we see the beast beneath the boards come out in the fight. The simmering. Yeah, the, sim- the, the underlying yeah. frustration or whatever. And that beast will come underneath. Yeah. And Jason the table came above. Jason Luke bo- or Jason Eamon both bang the table mm-hmm. before they get mad, which. I don't know. Maybe that's somehow related. I don't know. <laughs> I, this might be a stretch, but could they be talking about the painted table? No, there's there another famous table. You're, Dragonstone, you're, or there are dragons underneath the castle that might. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Just, you know. The beast, not beast plural. I don't know. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Well, by the way, that answers my question. If it's called the painted table, they clearly have the yeah, word yeah, table. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I don't suppose they eat at the paint. That's fancy. Eating at the painted table. Like, yeah, I'm eating on Dorn. I'm going to eat. Yeah. Like, you got to put, put the food where like where it originates from. You got the, the lemons and Dorn. You, you have to walk the- all the way across the room to get to the Dornish <laughs> wine. <laughs> um, I also wanted to highlight this conversation, um, this, this exchange about this. Didi uh, Bidi says, wasn't there a trap door in Tyrion's room? Was Jacob Bubrick says, I think there was. I'm really thinking it's a trap door, boards in the floor. It works for them, whatever. Um, and then Vivian Darkbloom said, the Targaryen house is rotting. Viserys is rotting. The infestation is beneath the floorboards, a.k.a. beneath the surface, beneath what you see, and uh, refer to that, that again. Works, yeah. um, so I will, we'll have to see on that. Um, but yes, uh, we'll talk about, and we will talk about this more on Saturday again because yeah. there's spoilery topics there's prophetic things that we can't speculate on until Saturday and we just yeah and not to mention we need more time to think about it <laughs> <laughs> clearly like we're figuring it out on the fly here I see this next comment here do we think Rainey's was invited to dinner I, I have a thought on yeah. that she was with uh, Vam- yeah Vamor. she was doing Vam- a, Vam- uh, she was yeah. observing that yeah she was doing a vigil yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. That is where she was during that. But so yeah, maybe she was invited, but was busy, or maybe wasn't invited at all. But the whole family was there, but her. She would be the only other I'm, real member of the family besides like Daron, who's you know way off in high town in, in Old Town. You know, unless you count like Hobear or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like she would should be invited it, it, for yeah. what Viserys is trying to do here. Why would yeah. he not invite her? Yeah. yeah. He's trying to unite his two branches of the family, which she's not part of. But still, I agree. Like she would probably have been invited, but but there's a good reason for her not being being there. Um, Prophecy Uh, is already confusing. Before we can move on to this, can I say a thing about the scene that I never had a chance to? Which is, uh, I just want to highlight these two shots of Aegon. Look at the look at his face. (laughs) He makes the best. This is the face I wanted to look at him. Zooming in. This is the face he makes when he's trolling Jace. And uh, I might think Aegon is absolutely despicable, but. I'm going to enjoy seeing him be amusing. A good actor, that's for sure. Yeah, his, his reactions. He, he's going to do. He's going to do yeah. some like n- near fourth wall breaking stuff. He's the gym. <gasps> yeah, of, of right. The office, except for being a much worse person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so prophecy is already confusing without multiple Aegons, without milk of the poppy. I called it milk of the prophecy on Twitter, which is, is definitely mm-hmm. what's happening here. 
this is there's a little bit of a reference to the books here um, which is something they like to do they like to take things from the book and, and use it in a slightly different way but to c- convey the same meaning or at least a similar meaning uh, I brought this up last time with regard to how Allison pulled daggers from guards a couple of times uh, and so they use that for that scene with uh, Luke and and Rainier and all that last week here's a quote that indicates where they got the idea that Viserys was mistaking uh, Allison for his own daughter rather than his wife. Quote, the old king sometimes mistook her for one of his daughters, calling her by their names. Near the end, he grew certain she was his daughter, Sarah, returned to him from beyond the narrow sea. In the year 103, King Jaehaerys Targaryen died in his bed as Lady Allison was reading to him from Septon Barth's Unnatural History. So one of the side effects of changing Allison's age was they couldn't have her be the person helping old the old king in his final days to relax and and end his you know end in peace. So I, I guess they were borrowing that for this moment to have Viserys be the one mistake Allison for his daughter rather than Jairus mistake Allison for his daughter. Um, and of course the milk of the there was probably milk of the poppy involved in the book version as well. Jairus being old and frail and very traumatized by how that late life went. We also mentioned earlier in prior episodes that Sarah's sons did appear at the Great Council of 101, the the one that old the old king was waiting for. So it's pretty tragic. He yells for peace, pleads for unity, and then accidentally whispers for war. Uh, that's kind of <laughs> how I like to frame it here because he didn't know he was doing that. He just thought he was finishing an earlier conversation. And yes, this is the problem of too many Aegons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if he had just named their son something an Aegon other than Aegon, this wouldn't have happened. Just, uh, just a uh, too bad. I, I feel like this is done at least partly to mm, I don't know justify some of Allison's future actions. Agree, agree. But totally. it's still frustrating to me because I feel like she's still kind of hearing what she wants to hear. You know, I, I want to maybe try to account for her state of mind. She might be confused and frustrated scared uh, you know overwhelmed on and on but she hears a few comments about you know Aegon princess's promise and she's like okay my son must be the one but it seems like it's disregarding everything that just happened at dinner and also what does she think he was talking about what happened in the north or whatever i, I feel like she should investigate some of the things she didn't know or disregard it all because he literally just well she she may have been rather than head them toward war well know? i mean for all we know that is what's going to happen like we don't see anything yeah. else yeah. after that that's true yeah. i don't know what happens yet so yeah, yeah. I mean, like, she may try to make more sense out of what was said of course it may just pivot if she finds out he's died in his sleep she won't have time to investigate those things but yeah mm. like your own point works for that it works in that favor you're saying well if she wants to get clarity on what he's saying the time is not while he's drugged up yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. but yeah. you're also right to say like she shouldn't just take it so yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right to say that she's kind of hearing what she wants to hear although a part of her was like like her facial reaction was not pleased entirely she was like uh yeah maybe that's not quite the right way to phrase it she's hearing what she wants to hear but i think she is putting way more stake in it no matter what uh, okay that yeah, yeah she doesn't yeah, yeah she doesn't necessarily want to hear that but it is yeah that makes sense and i like i don't know what you i don't know what y'all think about this decision to have really come to, like it seems like the crux of things is a miscommunication is a misunderstanding yeah and i'm kind of vacillated on how i feel about it i went from feeling really frustrated with the decision to do this because i feel like they set up the conflict so well that to then just make it be like oh it's because of a misunderstanding that is just frustrating 
to me, but maybe that just makes it more tragic to me. So I might be coming around to it. But at first I was just very turned off by like, sometimes we're turned off by something in the show because like a character did it and we're like, oh, that sucks with the character do that. And sometimes I'm turned off because I wish that the writers hadn't done it that way. And this is one where I've, as of right now, I'm kind of dissatisfied with that decision, but I'm curious if I'll feel differently later this week when it's like soaked in with me more. But right now I just feel frustrated. I just feel really frustrated. The thing that makes me more okay with it, because I, I totally see what you're saying, but it's kind of like I was talking earlier about like the little confrontation when, when Amon makes his toast. Is it, it's kind of inevitable anyway. Even aside from Allison's mishearing or misreading this, I think maybe not because it does seem like it was starting to pivot. It does seem like they were starting to go down a different road, but it seemed like as soon as, you know, Viserys and Alicent and Rhaenyra were kind of coming to terms with each other, the boys were still physically fighting each other. So Mm -hmm. I I feel like it, it might be just destined anyway. And maybe this is just to make Alicent more sympathetic. I don't know. I think that that is kind of how I read it because I think that there is still a, a, a imbalance. If it's not that it needs to be balanced, but the Rhaenyra's faction is just more popular than, than Allison's faction. Yeah. So this does maybe it, yeah, make yeah. them a little bit more understandable. Maybe it doesn't need to be balanced. And I don't have a real good view of what it is or should be in, you know, aside from the show. Like, I don't know what the, the book thought or people who've read the book think. But it seems like in the show they are trying to keep it balanced. Yeah. They over and over again could easily have made one side definitively villainous or heroic and they haven't they've made each side they've chipped away at each side's chances to be really bad or really good so. with more to come sure sure, <laughs> sure. that's of course uh to be expected yeah like it's like in game of thrones like it was pretty clear the starks were the good guys and the Lannisters were the bad guys obviously it, it changes somewhat not that the starks become bad guys but it's not the story expands to be more about more a lot more other people yeah. i guess is kind of what i'm getting at here uh, so the rain, as I mentioned earlier, starts in this episode and builds to a minor storm by the end, which is foreshadowing for when the storm breaks over who gets possession of Viserys's Valyrian model set. That's the real <laughs> succession crisis that we're faced with. <laughs> Extra reason again to watch the behind the scenes stuff this week. They talked about the model in detail. I think I said that earlier, but I want to emphasize that because it's really cool. We talk about how they made it and all this other thing. A couple last questions from y'all before we dip out. George Hutto says, I have another parallel for y'all. Damon surrendering his Driftwood crown to Viserys, then Damon putting Viserys' crown on him in this episode. That's- I'm so glad you brought that up because I like thought of that when I watched the episode. And it didn't cross my mind again until you said that. I'm like, exactly right. And I, that's part of why I think it got even more emotional like, significance. For an ad lib. I yeah, mean, right. nice, you're y'all. Right. Like, you're right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was so cool. Good job. Matt Smith is just on another level. <laughs> He's like, if I do this now, it'll also be create a parallel. Yeah. <laughs> Eric Thompson says, Shea, I felt the same way at first. I think they're setting up the parallel of Allison and Rainier fighting for the same prophecy as dramatic irony. Yeah. Which, and that makes me feel a little bit better. Like the idea that it is yeah. meant to they're, they're, them to be these counterparts to each other, but they don't know that the other one knows this information, you know, like yeah. that. It makes me feel a little better about it. I'm, I'm, I think I'll, I think I'll come around. Yeah, we'll see what they do with it. We'll see what they do. And so far, yeah, they've true. just done such a great job. So I'm optimistic. Um, but I, I, I saw a lot of other people kind of reacting a little negatively to that. No, I didn't see anyone who just like didn't like the episode. Everyone's just like so blown away by Patty and other stuff. But, but there was a few criticisms about that particular. Yeah, it was plot kind point. of a roll my eye kind of thing, not a get upset, but a like, yeah, oh, really yeah. that choice? Okay, sure. Yeah. Like I, you know, and, but I mean. 
it is true that like a lot of times that that is what the thing is is a miscommunication that's the yeah. problem like that is it's probably been a, a lot, lot of, of the time a lot that's of real wars were fought over. over a simple miscommunication which makes it just seem all the more tragic that there was there was nothing there it wouldn't so, likely have been prophecy but yeah. still like, miscommunications uh, they just have a different type of miscommunication they can use in this world <laughs> <laughs> obviously it's a lot a lot different a lot of different stuff going on here but it, it did remind me a little bit of when allison confronted Kristen. And he's like, oh, yeah. yep, it was me. I slept with Renera. Yeah. Like, oh, that's not what I was <laughs> that's trying to get out of you, but that changes things. She was like, I, yeah, that, they were both talking about a different person, and he, blo- yeah, yeah that, that's kind of a similar, yeah. 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 And I, I don't think it's worth pointing out right here. I don't think we actually referenced it at any point, but Allison did have that conversation with Viserys by the fire, where Viserys brings up his thoughts on prophecy and dreams a bit. So that's true. whether she, the question is whether she can tell that Viserys, is Viserys just saying his last wishes or is Viserys communicating the prophecy and his last wishes? Cause I, now that I think about it, I don't know that she got the prophetic element from that. And if she just more so got Viserys wants my son, our son to be king. Yeah, that's a good point. She, he, she, I mean, he did mention the, the cold winds of the north and he had told her before about his yeah. dream, about his one dream. But so yeah, so what does she, we need her she reaction. She should have got. What she should have got was my husband's delirious and nothing he's saying right now matters. That's what she <laughs> should have got. True. Yeah, milk of the prophecy, y'all. Yeah. Don't sp- spew prophecy about a character that's been re whose name has been used dozens of times while you're on drugs. Yeah, and so that's the lesson, folks. Yeah. <laughs> also, if he had told people about the prophecy beforehand, this, com- yeah. this miscommunication wouldn't happen now. It may have been a different type of miscommunication Allison. instead, but you're and, right. Yeah, different so, things yeah. would be different. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and and it's funny because you know we have this like the idea that like okay maybe Allison is at the point where she knows her son is a rapist and she doesn't want him to be king, right? Yeah. Like maybe that's where Allison was up to now, and then she gets. Her husband, the king, who says, my wish in her head is he's saying, my wish is for Aegon to be king. And she's like, I guess that's my duty is to follow my husband and the king's wishes, even though she's not on board. You know, maybe it adds that for her. But it makes me think of what she just saw was Rhaenys holding strong with her Mm. husband's opinions about Mm. something that Rhaenys maybe like, I don't know what Alicent knows Mm. about Rhaenys' opinion of things. Interesting. But Alicent might have thought, Rainey's made that sacrifice too. Yeah. What did she think of that? In other huh. words? That's a good point. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. We have, of course, our episode on Saturday at three to discuss any more topics as well as spoiler things going forward. Only yeah. two more episodes left. And Thursday. Yes. And we have our episode Thursday where we will be celebrating the life of Viserys. What an excellent character. What an excellent actor. Shout out to Patty Considine. <sighs> He's gone. <laughs> he's gone too bad what a great actor I'm, i imagine they will miss him on set because of all his behind the scenes antics yeah are apparently like great for morale they like the acting is such a grind so tedious a lot of times they're doing things over and over and apparently he's just really great to have around like they they he boosts the mood and he's a real leader he's a be- he, he's a lead actor in a way that he's not a king <laughs> he's <laughs> the real patty Constantine is a good leader Another neat tidbit of the behind the scenes was he was prepared to lose a bunch of weight for oh, that. Yeah. But true. because the schedule jumped around, like when they filmed what scene, he he couldn't lose weight. He used to body double. Because it wouldn't fit with us. Yeah. So yeah. they had a body double for that. But. I think the thing around his neck was part of how they masked that it was a green screen. Like, oh, so yeah. they could have different bodies. So they had put a wrap around his neck so yeah. that he could, it made the dividing point of the where his body starts and the fake body begins is <laughs> I'm <gonna> put, <laughs> a little more hidden. You mind if I put on screen the, the seven second clip of Viserys serving Targaryen realness? It. Yeah. Here, let's... So this is Ashea's tweet. 
It was my TikTok, but it's from Patty himself retweeted. R.I.P. Fabulous. A reshare. Serving Targaryen realness. Serving Targaryen realness. Just that. Like he's doing all that sort of stuff behind the scenes. Serving Targaryen realness. That's so sweet. There's also a scene from behind the scenes where he's lying in his bed with all the prosthetic makeup on. He just starts singing. He sings "Eternal Flame" by the Bangles. Close your eyes. Give me your hand. Just start yeah. singing the bangles. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> He's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, uh, there's all sorts of other shots of him like pretending to do like air guitar with his cane or with his sword or whatever. And just like, yeah, it's really been party dad, Viserys behind the scenes. We will grab not just stuff about him, his character, but we'll take, we'll grab a few of those for the Thursday episode. Yeah, well. you're right. We will. We'll have, we'll have lots of clips. We want to celebrate Patty the actor the as well as the character. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, all right. Check out our friends over on Direwolf City. They have already gotten started, I suppose, where we yeah, went a little long today late and I check mean, out the longest episode of the season so yeah. it's not really surprising that we would yeah die. they kind of tricked us i thought they said the earlier one was the longest but then this one was the longest but it, the difference is only about 30 seconds so either way those are both very long episodes uh yeah check out direwolf city and tonight and radio westeros tomorrow thank you for coming if you were watching live and submitted questions particularly y'all caught my mistake on the floorboard tonight so that was particularly helpful yeah, <laughs> i appreciate the support chat yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yes, like, I don't mind being wrong. I like being it, corrected. This would have been one of those times. Right. I'd rather be right than. <laughs> yeah. This would have been myself. a time where if I was on camera with you, you would have just seen me make like a, a more and more sour face as you kept talking. Where I was like, I don't agree with this, but I don't <laughs> know if I'm right or wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I appreciate it. Yeah, that's why we've got our commenters to help us out with that. Uh, thanks to Michael Clarfeld for the maps and our. Uh, typical video intro but for our house of the dragon video intro we have bran the builder aka bran winslow who not only designed the imagery but also composed the music and he's been sharing all sorts of great uh artwork that he's been doing uh for a song lesson firehouse the dragon subjects um for the month uh for for october so you can check him at um br the brw the pro on twitter yeah his new he's he's updated his dark sister art it looks great yeah so we'll we will have an updated version when we cover season two of house of the dragon with all sorts of cool new things in it yeah. so yeah thank you to anyone who supports us financially on patreon or through uh spotify subscriptions you can s- subscribe through spotify these days get basically the same benefits on patreon which includes bonus episodes and you as well can support us through our website historyofwesteros.com variety of ways to do that peruse the options there any link you click on will uh track back to us if you're making purchases as well we'll see you on saturday for this stream with girls gone canon well we will discuss spoilers and yeah, on monday I'm so excited for that fun guest we didn't announce that before girls gone canon no i did i said it before oh you said it at the beginning of the episode yeah oh uh monday of course we'll be back with sean uh, to discuss our second to last episode episode nines well episode nines are typically in Game of Thrones history, the most momentous of the season. So we'll see about that, see if they keep that pattern going. That's part of why season seven and eight weren't as good. They didn't have episode nines. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's their real problem. Yeah. <laughs> What's your shirt, by the way, Anise? Oh, oh yeah. thank you for bringing that up. I almost completely forgot. Great catch. This is a Lord of the Tides shirt made by Sanrixian, who has her own Patreon these days, as well as her shop, sanrixian.threadless.com or Sanrix. I always forget the the link, but Sanrixian, you can go to her Twitter and find the link that way if I gave you the wrong link because I can't remember it off the top of my head. But you can find shirts like this and a lot of other great ones. 
Lord of the Tides. Of course, I had to wear it for this episode. Most perfect. And Sean, what do you got going? You got a little Pulp Fiction thing going there. It's Uma and Thurman and uh, John Travolta. This is in preparation like, for the dance. J- like j- it's the like dance. Jason Helena right there dancing. <laughs> nice. That's that what is I'm Jason picturing. Helena. <laughs> <laughs> and Shay has got a, a San Rixian shirt as well. No, I do not. You don't? Oh, my bad. I thought you that was the North Remembers one. I no. couldn't see. You cannot see. I'm. I'm. I'll tell you. Since disease has called me out, I'm wearing a. Uh, a, sh- a sweatshirt with Sailor Moon sitting oh. on the Iron Throne. <laughs> yeah, the uh, microphone blocked it. I could. I oh, and like we it. got a last-minute super chat from Jill Forty Seven, just with a thanks sticker. Thanks, Jill. Appreciate it. All right. Yes. Well, that's our show for today, everyone. Appreciate you coming out and hanging out and liking and sharing, and we'll see you all next time. Valar rewatches and Valar rereadus.